Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. Okay, now listen, buddy. You want to do me a favor? Depends on what it is. Look, I, I host this podcast. No. Wait, you like that? No, it's like he's like cutting them off. Oh, I see. You're remembering this better than I am. I don't know. I wrote this song. Yeah, no. Right, yeah. Immediately. He, no! Okay, ready? Third time's the try. Jesus Christ. Okay. Nope. There's three quotes on the quote page. Okay. So we got it. Performance has to carry the day on this I'm one. no Robards. I know. He's my winner this Trust year. Trust me, I know. Jesus Christ. Okay, ready? Yeah. I'm just, I'm just, let's just run. I host this podcast. Wait, what? I'm, I want to like test you. He wants to Griffin, rehearse. just do the fucking thing and I'll reply. Let's get this show on the road. Jesus. You got to hit your cue though. Oh my God. Okay, ready? No actor. Please. <laughs> you, you just did that joke one second ago. You can't do it well, again. You gave me another alley-oop. <laughs> okay. Ready? Uh, now listen, buddy. You want to do me a favor? Depends on what it is. I host this podcast. No. Perfect. All right. Got it in one take. No. Got it in one take. <sighs> I, I only heard one take. When did he die? Robards? Robards. He dies in 2000 because he dies after Magnolia. Right. So it's like... Yeah, of course, he's in Magnolia, right? Right. He just looks near so near death in this movie. Well, it's dude. wonderful. The man he looks like in this film, and I'm only going to say this one time, is Beetlejuice. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's I true. will not say that name he's again. poofed out. I'm not going to risk it, but also the circles around the eyes, and he's sort of got, like, white pancake makeup, and the lines in his face are so, like, they look, like, etched in, they like, they a look wood carving. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to, to a degree, I wonder if the He's visual, someone you can frighten. As much as, right? Because he's such a legendarily wacky figure anyway. But I think his hair especially, the hairline and the sort of like crazy like flyaway strands and all of that. I wonder if to some degree, Mr. Juice was visually inspired by this performance. You could see some combination of Keaton and Burton going, what if it's like an undead version of Jason Robards and Melvin and Howard? Right? Sure. That could happen. No it, might have. it might have. It might have. Or the have. hair and makeup person being like, I was, what, do you got, what do you got for us, Gladys? Well, right. I was kind of inspired by Jason Robards totally. and what I put together here. The oh, super dark purple circles fully around the eyes. Yeah. It's, it's you know? Sure. There's something there. Uh, yeah, but it's kind of incredible to watch a performance like this and then be like, and he had 20 more years left in him right, of playing yeah. old guys near death. <laughs> you, what you would imagine is right. It's like, yeah, that was his last performance. Then right. he died, and it right. was a great well, great career he I, had. I suspect that he wasn't actually that old when he made this. I mean, this yeah. might be like if you look at Matthau and Sunshine sure. Boys, he wasn't as old as George Burns. I, I think he was yeah, yeah. old, but they definitely made him look worse. It does sort of speak to the weird fatalism of being an actor where it's like you have to spend 20 years dying before <laughs> you die. Right. He was— 78 when he died. So let's, yeah, he's only like 58, 60, That's you know, 59. crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in his 50s in this movie. Hmm. Good crag, though. Oh, you know, great Nice craggy crag. boy. Because then, like, what's upon a time in the West he looks like this, basically? Yeah. And that's like, what, 20 years before this? No, no, I, no I was years. digging like into years. this. So Robards wins two back-to-back -back supporting actor nominations. Yeah, but really? it's the classic, 
He should have won. No, it's not. Take it back. Carry on. He Keep sh- talking. Right. You were going to say. The correct win was the first one. Right. The second one's kind of odd. Right. He's good in that movie, but right. it's not. Wait, I don't even remember. He wins what for all the president's men. In 77. For, you know, which yeah. is like yeah. classic yeah, supporting yeah. actor. Uh, gravitas. Definition of a supporting actor role. Yeah. Right. And then he wins for Julia the following year. He was in Julia? Now, I've never seen Julia. <laughs> Apparently, were... he has nine minutes of screen time. Yeah, I think he has I... one big scene. He's playing Dashiell Hammett. It's Wait, is a Ju- big, electrifying, supporting this performance. This is the one about the... It's a Holocaust film, right? It's a uh, World War II movie. Y- yeah, it's a, it's it's a, a Nazi Germany, Lillian Hellman. Yeah. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I saw it when I was yeah, a Jane young... Fonda, Vanessa Redgrave. Yeah, it's Vanessa the one Redgrave. Vanessa Redgrave won, and right. she was like, I don't like Israel. And yeah, everyone was yeah. like, ah! It's bad for the Jews. Right, and Robards didn't yeah. even show up. He didn't even show up. Uh, it's the year he beat <laughs> Alec Guinness. For Star Wars? For Star Wars, wow, which everyone thought Guinness was going to win because Guinness uh, was like such a ledge. But, yeah. Uh, you know. That would have kind of like been cool. To give Alec Guinness one final Oscar. Yeah, give him. it would have been number numero dos. So I didn't realize that. So Robards was... He gets enough just for being Star Wars. Give me a break. It ruined his fucking life. It the, did. The last years of his yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, he's able to live off the Guinness fortune. Yeah, right. Kept on making that beer in his name. Uh, <laughs> you know, when I'm looking at... So it was Guinness, okay. previous winner. Maximilian yeah. Schell for Also in Julia, previous winner. Right. Peter Firth and Equus, who's like the kid... Uh-huh. The kind of classic we snuck the lead into a supporting category. That, right, okay, sure. Great performance. Yeah. I guess that could have won. And then Mikhail Baryshnikov in The Turning Point, the oh. famous uh, oh, all snubs. Right. Big hit, but then uh, like 11 nominations, no wins, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. He would have been good. There was a lot but of that. Him, it was kind of like, ah, well, he's a good dancer, not a good actor. Get out of here. But there right? was there weirdly was of a lot of that in like the 70s and 80s where it's like Dexter Gordon gets nominated for Best Actor. Right. Mikhail yeah. Baryshnikov gets nominated for Best Supporting. Like someone who wasn't really a movie star. Yeah. But like once did a big movie role. I'm glad you brought up Dexter Gordon in uh, Round Midnight. That, it's one of the greatest I, movies ever made. I've never seen it. Ugh. I mean, sorry, it's a good movie. You yeah, yeah, but it is but yeah, a fascinating phenomenon. He right, was, he was a jazz musician. But, that but they... someone who was like already so established yeah. and respected in their field, and then they go over to movies, and that skepticism is immediately melted away by, you know what, you're one of us. Here you yeah. go. That doesn't Oscar happen too much these days. No. No. They used to love a newcomer, right? I guess the yeah. Now it's, it's all now. it's all it's all politics. But now. Jennifer Hudson is a you know. Is a classic Jennifer Hudson's example. Lady Gaga would be that if she hadn't spent 10 years trying to break in first. Oh. Mm. You know, by the time she got the nomination, everyone was so aware that she wanted to be an actress. Mm. Did she win Lady Gaga? No, she, she did. Did she not. get nominated? Yeah. She did. Yeah. Um, Who won it? When, 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 Olivia no. Coleman. In oh, a very that's a surprising. Yeah. That was super. Right. Lady Gaga should have won over um, Glenn Close, but not right. over Olivia Coleman. Right. Right. Right, Glenn Close. What if there was the, a wife? The wife. Yeah, the I wife. didn't see that yet. Oh, you know what? You <laughs> may have seen it and forgotten it. Yeah, it's very possible. Jordan, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something radical. Oh my God, here it comes. You said you've never seen it yet. You hadn't seen it yet. I'm gonna wager that you could <laughs> spend the rest of your life not seeing that movie. Yeah, and and die a perfectly happy and content man at the age of 174. Okay, I'll never see it. I, I did was recently on an aeroplane and I noticed Whoa. that it was one of the yeah. God, there was because I flew a yeah. lot of planes in that yeah. sort of like December, Ooh. and it was it was like the plane movie. It Everyone was, was either watching The Wife or like Bohemian Rhapsody or whatever. Yeah. I I kept on not watching it on planes because it went to planes quickly. Yeah. 
And I kept on not watching it on planes and being like, they're not going to actually nominate her, right? And then when she got nominated, when the nominations came out, I was like, God fucking damn it. And I went and saw it at a theater. <laughs> at the Paris, probably? <laughs> no, I saw it at the weird landmark that's on the West Side Highway. Oh, my God. And I just, like, sat there with my arms crossed. That's Wife crossed. Central. Yes. That's Wife HQ. I watched, I, I think I I watched literally... it on the screener as it was intended to be watched. I know? saw it after a George Lucas talk show because... Sure. Uh, because Glenn Close and Jonathan Price had done the panel. Right. They had just right. done it, and I, I felt shitty that I had spent the entire <laughs> show blowing. Bluffing with Wada pretending he liked both of their performances. You should have done like a wife week. <laughs> like, forget Star Wars this week. It's all about the wife. Yeah, the wife. I do love Jonathan Price, by he's the way. Great. I, I do mean, I, too. I, I Jonathan think Price. He's always pretty damn good. Yes, he is. Well, now he's hashtag the two popes. Yeah, he's so fucking. He's good. one of the, the two, two popes. popes. He's, he's one of the two popes. It's, no, Anthony, no. it's Anthony Hopkins and Jonathan Price. He's the young pope. <laughs> no, I mean, no, no. The young pope is someone else. <laughs> he's the young. Of, he's the younger, oh, the younger of the of two popes. He is. It's fascinating because I recently rewatched Chavita because I wrote this big Antonio mm-hmm. Banderas piece. Yeah. And um, okay, congrats, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yes, it didn't. Whatever. Uh, and um, he's obviously he plays Juan Perón, basically one of the most famous Argentinians who ever lived in that movie. Uh, but in that movie, everyone just uses an English accent. They're not there's not really much effort to. Uh, you know, have a Latin accent there. Right. And the two popes, he's playing another one of the most famous Argentinians who ever lived, yeah. Pope Francis, Bergoglio, and he does this incredibly accurate accent that is, like, amazing to behold. Oh, wow. 30 he's a fucking year, genius. 30 years to prepare. 20. 25. Oh, 20, yeah. I was thinking the, the show on Broadway. On Broadway. No, no, but that was Mandy, Mandy Patinkin. Patinkin. Yeah. Well, no, Mandy Patinkin was Che, not a. Uh, right, Perron. he was the right. Banderas. Bob right? Gunton yeah. was uh, was Perron. Wow. You can watch it with Patty LuPone, Bob Gunton, and Man- Mandy Patinkin. Wow. See, yeah, you know, Banderas is Che. Three he's of the, the most part. Spanish he, people he's ever. fucking amazing. Gunton, LuPone. <laughs> They have. They Patinkin have, was your classic swarthy guy on Broadway in the eighties. You know what's he? Greek? Get Patinkin. What's he? Mediterranean? What's he? You know anything? I was thinking, and this is a thing that you will undoubtedly have a lot of opinions on, Jordan. Yeah. But I've been thinking a lot about Jewish representation in movies <laughs> oh, recently, yeah, yeah. and it is funny that like uh, Hollywood has traditionally been very welcoming to Jewish actors, yes. as long as they play people of other ethnicities, <laughs> and any Jewish characters have to be played by goys. Well, you know, like in classic Hollywood, it yeah. was like, you're Jew- you will never lack work. You will play a Middle Easterner. You will play a Mexican. Right, right. And then they like, ha- right, like they, they will uh, option a, a famous like Jewish novel and yeah. be like, and of course, Clark Gable is playing well, the ro- I mean, role Nat- of Natalie Herman. Wood in, in Marjorie Morningstar right, all of is, these. The, is yeah. the classic. You know? But it was just so funny that they were just like, we'll accept Jews as long as they play all the other people that we don't yeah, want to hire. They play Spaniards and then- right. Wasps will play Jews, right. and Italians like, will play wasps. It's right. all going to make sense. Right. <laughs> it was very, very weird. There is a there is a little bit of a thing right now. I mean, like, do I? Does it bother me? No, but it is a little odd that Melissa McCarthy played Lee Israel in in that movie. Sure, and she's phenomenal in that movie. Yes. But find me someone who's less of a Lee Israel than Melissa McCarthy. I, I think there are more egregious. Well, I have someone who's less of a Lee Israel, Julianne Moore. Yeah, the original. <laughs> the original casting. Oh, that's right. They like, were out well, they did, fire. They did the right thing. They, yeah, oh, 100%. I mean, nothing against her person. They were, she's a phenomenal Ozzie Davis walked on set and said, do the right thing. And they were like, fine, <laughs> let's fire her. Uh, they were a week away from filming. Yeah. I auditioned for like a one scene part in the Julianne Moore Hall of Center version. And they were like, and we'll have an answer for you soon because we start filming on Monday. Oh, my God. And then uh, on Sunday, the movie was shut down. Um, But I was going to say, I think the more egregious examples, the one that irked me a bunch that I wouldn't stop complaining about last year, of course, Felicity Jones. Neither does the word freedom. Oh, 
Your Honor. Your yeah, Honor. Yeah. You know, that, that movie was- Pass the man a Shevitz, Your Honor. <laughs> Baruch Atada and I, it's time for women to be lawyers. <laughs> your Honor. You got to end every sentence with Your Honor. Yeah, but you got to go, Your Honor. <laughs> yeah. She's yeah, actually yeah. fine in the nah, movie. It's yeah. not- But Natasha Leone is right there. Oof. Right? I imagine her on the bench, huh? <laughs> totally. Or here's ball. another one. Lizzie Kaplan. Yeah. Would have been a phenomenal yeah, I mean, they were they were clearly going for the classic. Uh, classic. Let's See, get that's the Oscar winner. Right. I mean, nominee, not winner. Right. right. Yeah. Nominee, going right. through the servant entrance. That, was, that was that movie was originally going to be. I mean, this is the weird Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman and Marielle right. Heller. Marielle Heller. And then Marielle Heller takes Mimi over. Mimi Jewish. I, no, I'm not complaining about Mimi Leader. We love Mimi Leader. I was just making the connection. I had a very nice cup of tea with her to discuss on the basis of sex. Congratulations. Thank I have no problems with Mimi Leader. I was just making the fun connection of. Yeah, Hall no, of I, Center I, gets fired yeah. from Can You Ever Forgive I Me? It, it's Heller gets degrees. fired. Right. Yeah. And swaps over. He's on the base. I didn't see on the base of success yet of sex yet. You're on. I saw the documentary about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Also, yeah. but I felt like that was enough. No, that that documentary is is arguably worse. Yeah. Well, but Yas Queen. Yes, Justice. Yeah, yes, yes Justice. You're right. And that movie was nominated for Best Fight at the MTV Movie Awards. <laughs> Do you know this? Yeah. A thing I will never stop talking about, nominated Best Fight, <laughs> RBG funny. versus Inequality. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I, I had the, whoever thought of that yeah. in the writer's room deserved oh, But it lost to day. Captain Marvel versus Minerva. That's <laughs> funny. Minerva? That's the uh, one they picked? Yeah. Yeah. Is Minerva Jude Law? Because that was funny nope. at the end. No, he, he was. Yeah, that was funny. That, yeah. that's, was that's one of the better things in Captain Marvel. Minerva uh, is uh, it's, uh, Gemma, Chan. Gemma Chan, a character I do not remember having Chan. a fight with Captain I, Marvel. You what know, is she? They, they probably tussle for a second. She's a blue lady, and she's apparently blue. they she's had the blue. best fight of the year. She's like that's Kate Hudson's true. hair in Pride Wars. Let me tell you she's something. She's blue! <laughs> Let me tell you something. This is going to be a good one. We got some heat this episode. I'll tell you something about that Captain Marvel, huh? Please. There were 23 Marvel movies. Uh-huh. Something I, yeah, in that, range. that was either Low 22 20s. or 23, I think. I yeah. mean, I sat there, I watched it, I didn't yearn for death while it was on. I had any okay I you going to say I didn't urinate. Um, <laughs> but I would, I, I would put it in dead last. Dead last. Dead last. Well, behind like the Incredible Hulk yes. or whatever. Yes, or I'll like tell you Iron Man 2. Behind you know? the Incredible Hulk, because there's a scene in the Incredible Hulk where the Hulk is standing in the field in like the middle of like yes. Princeton University. Yeah. It's a like whatever. And there's and like he, Marvel he University. Like, right. He looks like the poop monster from Dogma. <laughs> he does. And there's uh, like a, a a group of baddies who mm-hmm. are. Yeah, you know, there's the bad guys. And they're, trying, Hulk his, they're his, trying to his, get yes. him on one side and they try to get him on the side and they like, they try to like, they send like s- sound waves yeah. to mm-hmm. attack yeah. him. Yeah. And it's just like just these lines and it just is the most cheapest lamest dumbest yeah. thing yeah but it works and somehow this became the biggest franchise in the history of, of that is it is this hilarious little like prism. misshapen like you know child right. sort of like yes I too am in the Marvel universe you know like <laughs> right. the core of all these like buff superheroes it's like oh don't forget about the incredible Hulk it's like when you read that like There's a scene in a soda factory <laughs> right the scene in a soda right. factory that's better than anything in Captain Marvel what's in Captain Marvel I remember one she puts on a suit and it's a rainbow yeah that sounds good yeah. Griffin what do you got uh, there are like one or two things I like in that movie. There's some stuff I, I we will we're be watching rewatching it imminently. Yeah. I didn't dislike it. It's in yeah, it's sort of. certainly in my bottom rung. Yeah, and uh, if I have more ire for it, is because I usually like Bowden Fleck so oh, fucking much. Oh no, the thing I like in it is Mendelssohn. That's why I like Captain yeah. Marvel. Like he he's yeah, doing he's so better. much work. Yeah. yeah. 
And I like yeah, yeah, Sam he's Jackson. Good. He's good. Any he drinks Sam Jackson like yeah. actual performance is fine to me. He drinks your milkshake in that, right? And that's the same. They, wasn't yeah, there on right. the internet? It's the same milkshake from something. Oh, who fucking? Don't knows? you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I feel like that whole movie is just fucking Ben's Easter dead. eggs. Of remember when Sam Jackson was in other movies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. It was the milkshake from Pulp Fiction. Yeah, sure. Hey, you know what's a great, great movie? Melvin and Howard. Oh. Hey. <laughs> I will say this. Uh, I've gotten weirdly into Arsenio yelling, you know, from, from the 90s. Can I talk about the greatest thing? Sure. Did you guys see it's that? Weird that Arsenio wasn't in Captain Marvel. Very, Very weird. 90s guy to be in a movie. Did you folks see, it was circling around the internet yesterday, the thing where Arsenio Hall gave Paul Rubens the plaque? Do you know what I'm yes, talking yeah, about? Yeah, he's like in the, the, yeah. the black gang. You saw this? Whatever. Can I like, read this? Right, yeah. yeah. Yes. Who's the woman in that picture? It's the woman from um, it's, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, yeah, Anna. It's it's the woman from Big Top Pee Wee. Valerie uh, uh, Golino. Valerie Golino, Golino from That's from uh, Hot Shots and Better Off Dead. Yeah, attractive woman. Uh, yes. Can I talk about what's relevant? Yeah. This podcast about filmographies, directors who have massive success early on in their careers, given a series of blank checks to make whatever crazy passion products they want, and sometimes those checks clear, and sometimes they bounce, baby. And this is a miniseries on the films of Jonathan Demme, uh, the uh, title of which is Stop Making Podcasts, which feels like a threat from our listeners. They voted for that to be the title, and it feels kind of like a a little bit of a like, you get it? Um, You see? And today we're getting—we have hit the first great movie. And, you know, there are the times where I question— Briefly, momentarily, mm. our commitment to trying to cover every movie in a director's filmography, mm. especially when it's a long one like this. But the thing that makes it worth it is when you go straight from Last Embrace to this. Mm-hmm. You know, if mm-hmm. you're cherry picking, mm-hmm. you can see all their best movies and you can break them down <laughs> and you can make your insights. But there's something incredible about watching him, you know, make three Cormans. Sure. Then do like Take a couple of sort of pot shots at a genre. You, right. you yeah. got to get through hell before you get to heaven. Yeah. Well, and it's like you're seeing like these little glimpses, these little pieces. But those five movies in a row are all pretty far from great. They I have good elements. They have moments of just like, ooh, there's something here. And then this movie is just a perfect little thing. It is just this like gem. I think that's the call. That's the right call. Uh, Ben, when we were doing the Miyazaki episodes, was crying a lot, right? Uh, You would just be overcome with emotion at at, at sometimes innocuous things in the film. Mm -hmm. Well, it's just, it it was the first time I was being exposed to Miyazaki. Mm -hmm. And I was also sort of going through uh, an existential crisis. Of course. So it was a kind of a, you know, coalesce. Horrible thing to wrangle that was. Coalescing oh. those two things. Crisis here. boys. Yeah. My, my point is... There, but I was crying a lot, yes. Yes. There were several points in this movie where I almost started crying and not at emotional scenes. Mm. Just because how, in a sort of Miyazaki way, moved I was by the sort of observational beauty of the film. Mm. You know, just like the actual spirit of the movie... And and how content the That's film that demi is. Magic, right? It's a it's a kind movie made by a kind person. Indeed. There with, there a man are, with universal reputation. There is a, a Pauline Kale line that is incredible that I, I was just like, that is the best I've ever seen someone uh, encapsulate uh, or sort of verbalize what the demi thing is. But yes, the other movies up until this point have brief glimpses of it. And this is the first time he makes a movie where that is sustained from beginning to end. Yeah. And you cannot sort of believe how thoroughly he has bottled this sort of energy 
without it feeling manufactured right. or and manipulated. I, and I, I often do wonder because the script is uh, – is it William Goldman or Bo Goldman? I get my Bo Goldman. Bo Goldman. Because when you watch the movie at the beginning, mm-hmm. you have the sense that it's going to be classic – New Hollywood, mm-hmm. right? It's 80, 80 came out in 80, so it's still 80 on the nugget. shooting on the 70s. Yeah. You're like, oh, is this going to be like the last detail? Is this right. going to be like, um, uh, you know, road picture, you know, with some dark America? And you keep waiting for that dark turn to happen. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't come. It's not New Hollywood at all. I mean, it, you can spin it that way marketing-wise, but it is yeah. it is a new New this Hollywood. This is not like five easy pieces no, no, exactly. or whatever that kind of movie, yeah. you know, where it's like, you know, at the end of the day, Fuck America. Yeah. Right. And that's and there were so many of those movies in the 70s that have a, a similar look mm-hmm. and a similar setting. Yeah. And similar scale, actors. Similar scale. Similar 100%. actors. 100%. I mean, what's the one? It's all uh, Harry and Tonto. Yeah. Which is yeah. a little nicer because there's a yeah. cat in there. Yeah, the cat dies. No, I mean, spoilers. Yeah. And, um, you know, a lot of those, a lot of the movies from that time. And it does have a similar look. But at some point along the way, you're watching, oh, this is something totally different. Well, yes. It's about and a it's, man who believes in, like, the good in America, yeah. even though he's kind of like, you know, it's never really happening for him. <laughs> uh, you know I mean? We're going to dig into it. Can I read this Pauline Kael line? Absolutely. Uh, this is after it uh, opened the New York Film Festival. And everyone was like, wow, how great to see such a well-crafted commercial picture. <laughs> like this was viewed as like, obviously this is like populist popcorn fare, wow. but of such excellent craft and integrity, mm. which is crazy to think, right? Because this would be a fucking Bleecker Street release I tomorrow. Know, <laughs> I know, but yeah, they are like, yeah, oh God, this consumer swill. But right. it's pretty good considering. Right. Well, no, people were rapturous about it, but they were like, it is very critically popular. They were like, it is stunning that a studio comedy is this good. I think it's still because they that, were used to the new Hollywood. Yeah, they yeah. were raging bull. There's the new you know. Hollywood movies that are very yeah. you know dark and intense yeah. and transgressive, and then there's the sort of like stately Oscar film, right. right? That's like a period epic or a true story, or right? You know that kind of movie. Sidney Lumet's The Verdict was yeah. around. The same Lumet. time. Period. I mean, I love that movie. Sure, uh, right. Right. Pollock, right? right. The uh, dark know, movies. Um, what's his pants? Uh, Jewison, right? right. Like, those guys. Yes, but we're coming out of right the decade that changes everything, where right. it goes from being a certain type of stately Oscar picture to now n- new Hollywood films. These transgressive, sort of radical, countercultural films being successful with the Academy. And they're yes. constantly being this tension between the two. There's a lot and of here comes a the movie, 80s, they give a right. lot of curdy movies. Here comes picture. a movie that is neither but has the best qualities of both and also a whole other chunk of things you haven't seen before. What did Paul and Kale have to say? Ready for this? Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Demme's lyrical comedy Melvin and Howard, which opened the New York Film Festival September 26. Here's the line that sums up everything that Demme does well. Is an almost flawless act of sympathetic imagination. Oh, yeah. Whoa. That is beautiful. Give it to me, Paulie. Right? But that's the thing. You're like, that's that's the difference with him. Like, uh, Dan Harmon once joked about, uh, like, 70s new Hollywood movies that, like, they're about, like, a drunk guy who wakes up, eats a sandwich, and takes a shit. And then the movie's over, right? right yeah. Like, that's what, like, Fat City is. And Fat City's a masterpiece. I love, I love, Fat, City. I love Fat City. It's a masterpiece. Fat City's great. Right? And that's yeah, the exact, close. That's, a, yes, that's it's a up perfect example of, like, a similar tactile feel to totally. this film. Like if you if you projected two on either wall and spun totally. somebody around and said, look at these movies. Right. They'd, they'd be they like, were, right, they're the same movie. Yeah. They're, the they're same, both right. about losers who keep on failing. Yeah. And their sort of uh, efforts to try to hold on to the couple uh, yeah. human relationships in their life that matter. In right? like a kind of a rural world right. or like a trailer park world. Right, uh, but one of them is very, un, you know, unsparing and, and cynical. 
And then the the sympathetic imagination thing is, you know, Demi detractors, and I remember this coming up a lot when uh, Rachel getting married came out incorrectly, right? People would go like, well, what wedding is like this? Come on. He wants to believe that it's this beautiful cultural melting pot, mm-hmm. and, you know, and it's this inclusive and this and that. And it's like, yeah, I want to believe that too. Sure. It's well, a sympathetic so get imagination. The fuck out of here. That's your argument? Right. But like, I, I want to see a movie where people act better, you know? Like, it, it's like, it, you know, it's the Paddington effect of like, if you can do it with intelligence and actual observation, you know, and heart, I'd love to watch a movie where you commit your imagination not to imagining a sci fi scenario but that we can live in a world that is this sort of kind, right. you know, and sweet, even when struggles happen, yeah. even when heartbreaks happen. Mm-hmm. And the beauty of this movie is this is a movie about a guy who is kind of addicted to the abstract idea of the American dream. 100%. Who a but has, also is not naive enough to think it's ever going to happen. Right. Well, that's, that's the beautiful note. <laughs> I think he's a little naive, but yes. I, I, I think, think he gets happen. there. I mean, that's weirdly the arc of the film is yeah. him getting there. But it's like an equal combination of this guy having bad luck and tough breaks and yeah. also this guy self-sabotaging in a number mm-hmm. of ways. Because he's trying to like sort of hop the ladder rung. Totally. Yeah, exactly. He's trying to skip a few. Like shoes. so many people do all he the time. Buy, he does buy yeah. a boat. That's the thing, but like the buying a boat moment is kind of like, yeah, it's when people like buy a house because they're like, well, I, you're, I should own a house because you're supposed to. And yeah. then like you can't afford it and, you know, you go under or whatever. We'll right, get you know. to the boat moment, but it's one of the most heartbreaking moments in the film because the is. second he pulls up the boat, you're like, this guy's going to fuck it up again. Beyond that, you're like, oh, this is it. Yes. We're going to like, this is it. He, 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 this is the last straw for Mary Steenburgen. Like, this is over. Can I read one other review thing um, from... Uh, uh, Roger Ebert, and this is like Ebert at his best, and and the last line of this makes me choke up. Okay. I think this is just such beautiful uh, writing. Um, and Ebert, of course, was like the big proponent of like cinema as uh, uh, an empathy machine. Yeah. And Demi is like a great sort of embodiment of that ideal, sure. right? Yeah. Um, he said, uh, Hollywood started with the notion that the story of the mysterious Hughes will might make a good courtroom thriller. Well, maybe it could have. But my hunch is that when they met Dumar, they had the good sense to realize they could get a better and certainly a funnier story out of what happened to him between the day he met Hughes and the day the will was discovered. And then here's the line. Mm-hmm. Dumar is the kind of guy who thinks they ought to make a movie out of his life. This time he was right. Right. Yeah, that's a great line. But go. that is – that's the spirit of the movie. That is – this is the kind of guy who views – Every moment of his life as the first act in what will be the incredible story <laughs> of a man overcoming poverty, you know? Sure. Overcoming sort of being born and the business end of capitalism. Or it'll, yeah. Underneath the boot. Right. Who found a way to make himself out of clay. Mm. And it's a movie, it's like, you know, I, I think uh, Karaszewski and Alexander often talk about this film being a huge inspiration for them because it's the idea of, like, the biopic of sort of an ordinary or unexceptional sure. person. Exactly, yes. yeah. Um, but the thing that they've always done, which this movie I feel like is the first example, the earliest example I've ever seen of a film doing this correctly, is making a movie about a real person who most in history would view as a loser. Right. And making the film with the sort of energy of how the person saw themselves not in a delusional way but that they wanted to believe they were always one step away from greatness and this becoming an incredible story of triumph and that also just being the idea is like that must have been what howard saw in him totally this movie is sort of like is just accepting that howard wrote the will 
Whereas, right. like, certainly sure. Howard Hughes probably did not write. Well, the will. We, I mean, who knows? But like, knows? this movie is like, no, this is about the guy who Howard wrote the will to. Right. So, what would Howard have seen in that guy? Right. And they're like one. Well, car it's it's sort of a Chaplin thing. I mean, yeah. City Lights also. Yeah. He he's a you know there are Chaplin elements to Melvin. I mean, he's not like a small goofy guy, sure. but he's sort of a. You know, but he is kind of a little tramp. I mean, he's he's stuck in the giant gears of like society, right? Right. And and in City Lights, was it City Lights or Modern Times? Modern Times is is the machinery City Lights. Which is the one where he befriends the the rich guy, but the rich guy only remembers him when he's drunk. That that is City Lights Lights, because that's what the blind girl where she thinks he's the rich. Right, 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 right. right. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of that, and you know, I think that's what I think some of these critics were responding to. It's sort of a classic story that, classic cinematic story that was missing for a very long time. Yes, and coming out of a decade of, uh, you know, so much cynicism, which was in response to a sort of like very uh, rosy-eyed, you know, whitewashed kind of happiness and positivity, you know, very cut and dry morality. Then you have a decade that like veers the opposite direction. Yeah, well, the Vietnam War and Watergate will do that Totally. And so like Demi is like tip of the spear, top of a decade being like, I have figured out my voice. I figured out who I am as a director. And it is to try to like incorporate the sort of like the grittiness, the verisimilitude of the new Hollywood with a sort of classic Hollywood optimism but to make it rooted in something genuine. Right. It is gritty. I mean, she is a stripper. Totally. Sure. Right. And like yeah. not happy about it. She's not like a, um, you know, a sex positive uh, stripper. No. She's like, I have, I have to work and this is the only work available to me, but it's still but also, like, she loves dancing. She loves dancing. Yeah, yeah. She finds, she's like always got a smile. I mean, yeah. she's kind of so like goofy about it. It's, it's, yeah. um, yeah, I'm sh- yeah, she's just incredible, Mary yeah. Steenburgen, in this film. They all are. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, What's this like her second or third movie, right? Like, she's right, because she does nobody. the the um, the Nicholson discovers her going south. She's is that what that one's south. called? That's correct. Yes. And then she does she in, have anything in between going uh, south and there? She was in Time After Time, Nicholas. Oh, Mary. oh right, where yeah. she yeah. then uh, shacks up with uh, Malcolm McDowell. Malcolm McDowell. No, isn't he in that movie as well? He is. Yes. Yes, because yeah. she gets married to Malcolm oh, McDowell somewhere in time. With Christopher Reeve. That's not what this is. This is time yeah. after time. Is, you are correct that uh, she was with Malcolm McDowell, married for 10 years. And she was also in something, oh. time, what, what, somewhere in time. Was she somewhere in time too? Right, isn't Double she? Double Steam Double time? Uh, Can I tell you that my, yeah. my remembrance of the Somewhere in Time logline, even though I haven't seen it since probably the year you were born, uh-huh. um, Christopher Reeve is like in a hotel in uh, New Hampshire or someplace New England-y, you know, mm-hmm. and it's nice. And he breaks up with his girlfriend and he's like, ah, this hotel's so nice. I wish I could have been here when this hotel first opened. And then like he gets a quarter and the quarter says the year 1912 on it. He's like, wow, 1912. And then suddenly he's in 1912. Wow. Yeah, that sounds right. (laughs) Okay. I don't know. There's 1912 is mentioned in this Wikipedia page. Time after time is McDowell and Steenburge. And that's the Nicholas Meyer one. That's about Jack the Ripper. Yes. And they remade that as an ABC TV show like two years ago. Yeah. Speaking of an ABC TV show. That was like weirdly popular, but so Also niche, canceled. Right. But uncanceled and then recanceled Maybe. or whatever. I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> Here's what I was going to say. 17 subjects ago. Mm. Robards, three Oscar nominations, two wins, yes. all within a four-year period. All as, as an older man. Right. But it's 77 
Uh, yeah, yeah. 78. 77, 78, and like 81 if you're right. going by ceremony gear. All three <laughs> performances with less than 15 minutes of screen time. Sure. Hey, firecracker. There was something kind of incredible about a small amount of Jason Robards. It's kind of wild that he didn't get a Magnolia nomination. I guess Cruz sort of ate that position I think up. so. Yeah. Yeah, but, but he is phenomenal in Magnolia. He is. I mean, he is what that movie is, which is over the fucking top. But I it's, love you know, it. I it's love what he's being asked to do. Yeah. David, did you like Melvin and Howard? We heard from I Griffin. love Melvin and Howard. Had you seen it before? I think years and years and yeah, years. Yeah, see, I had sort of the same thing. In I my, had a like, very foggy memory of In it. my Oscar nerd teenager days, I was like, well, I should see the movie that Mary Steenburgen yeah. won for. And I remember watching it and being like, I don't get it. It's like... You know, when you're a teenager, you're like, no one's yelling. This is right. good. Like, I'm not, you know, this seems so quiet and like, I, yeah. there's yeah. no like big moment. I don't really get it. I like, think I probably watched it on cable while doing homework like out of a sense uh, of completion. And like, I would hate homework so much that I would be like, you have to either like rent or like record any movie that feels important for your movie like, knowledge, especially Oscar, Oscar history, the, you know, and the, watch the them while you're doing homework so yeah. that doing homework doesn't feel like a waste of time. No, why waste your time? That was my whole philosophical argument, was doing homework is a waste of my time. I could be watching movies. I think David, also David, when, I, when um, I was a teen, I thought of Demi as this guy who had made this one great movie and then otherwise was more of a journeyman. Like, I don't think I took Demi especially oh, serious. You like right. Silence of the Lambs and that's it. Well, I mean, like, I like other movies, but, like, I feel like my, time, my teenage auteurist, right. you know, brain yeah. was not dialed right. in. Right, and, oh, he made all these weird goofy comedies yeah, before right, right, making right. a serious movie but this is his real because Married to the Mob is another one that I just right. like saw on TV although that movie I liked a lot when yeah. I saw it but 80 to 90 is this incredible tour run of comedies unlike anything that anyone's ever made alright Griffin Jordan, ask me if I've seen this movie before Jordan have you seen this movie before I have a funny story that <laughs> oh. might be of interest to your listeners I would love to hear this story it's not that grand of a story I just want to you know I come into this room mm -hmm. this is a podcast this yes. is a new format uh -huh. you Griffin you're a young man I'm a young see, man you're, you're sprinkling with with energy Virality. and vitality sure. and youth yeah. many of your listeners may not know what it was like to be a film fan back when I was a young lad sure mm -hmm. I grew up uh, I saw put this, in some like Godfather music yeah yeah a yeah. long time ago the Lower East Side of Monmouth County, New Jersey. Oh, boy. <laughs> I can smell it. Uh, I grew up in the 1980s, mm -hmm. right? And my family, my uh, father was, was an early adapter to VCR technology mm. in the early 1980s. Mm -hmm. Tell me what VCR stands At a time, video recorded. Video cassette recorder. Yeah. VCR, VHS. Now, we were a VHS family. Mm. We were not a Betamax family. At the time... My father was scowled, frowned upon, mm. scorned. They threw rocks at him. I remember the neighbors, the Bernsteins. The Bears? No. No, those are the Bernsteins. No, those Bernsteins. Marissa, uh, was it Marissa? I don't know. No, no, it's Mama and Papa. Yeah. The Bernsteins, <laughs> down Brother the block, and sister. came to look at our VHS player. And mock you. And say... It didn't go beta? Oh. How many lines of resolution does this thing even have? And my father said, who had been reading Consumer Reports for weeks at that point, <laughs> said, I think VHS is the one. As a result, however, of <laughs> us being a VCR family, sure. my father refused to get cable. We have enough. He wow. Said. He was like, this is it. This is the technology. He says, I'm we have it. You have so much to rent. Yeah. Who needs HBO? History of cinema at your fingertips, as long as your fingertips are scanning a blockbuster <laughs> shelf. <laughs> so, Dig, 
um, my father was big into recording uh-huh. movies yeah, off of, of appeal, off right? of Channel Seven, not cable. Right? He would tape the ABC movie of the week, Sunday night, Monday night, Channel Nine, the the million dollar movie, the whole thing. Yeah. So we had amassed a fairly substantial taped off of television, edited for television, so no mm. swears with the commercials intact yeah. if they were on late at night, blah, blah, blah. So here's the thing. My father was like, oh, Melvin and Howard, what a picture. We're going to tape it tonight on Channel 7. And he did. And then... This is like mid or late 80s at this point? It's a couple years after the movie came yeah, out. 83, 84. Okay. Okay. It was a recent classic. Yeah. Oh, I loved it in the theaters. Yeah. Your mother and I saw it. I'd say it's a, it's a scream. Howard yeah. Hughes, does he, is, he, is it true? Is he lying? Who knows? So he, we get Melvin and Howard on a brand new TDK VHS tape. Hell yeah! On the slow speed, that little weird triangle yeah. symbol, like an Illuminati symbol. <laughs> whatever, yeah. whatever the speed was that you would get more time. Sure. Mm-hmm. So the shittier quality, but yes. the more time to maximize the dollars. Right. So here's the point I'm trying to make. We were a taping family, so we were always taping things, and you can get three movies on one VHS tape yeah. if they were two hours each or whatever it was. Yeah. You could get three movies on there. The first movie was Melvin and Howard. The second one, it was either Airplane uh-huh. or okay. Sleeper. Sure. Or, okay. Or Some comedy. Yeah, of yeah the like era, something right. that I watched 155,000 times. It was like a 70s gagamanic comedy. Right. It was one yeah. of the movies that I loved and sure. made me Built the functional man that I am today. Uh-huh. The point I'm making is yeah. I watched that movie every day after school. Because mm-hmm. you would just put that tape I in. I would and put hit that play. tape in and watch Bananas, Sleeper. Monty, well, it was Monty Python because I had bought those. Yeah. Uh, but Airplane. Blazing Saddles. Blazing some Saddles. 70s, yeah, the biggie, right. A biggie that, that I memorized. Yeah. Let's yeah. call it, let's say Airplane. It probably okay. was Airplane. Sure. Great movie. So I go to watch Airplane every day after school because I have no friends. <laughs> and I come home. <laughs> and the thing is this. I would have to rewind the tape sure. to the beginning. Sure. Because I'd w- just watched Airplane. Yeah. Rewind the building. And now, see, this thing your listeners don't know. I would then have to fast forward Melvin and Howard through Melvin and Howard to get to Airplane. Yeah, sure. Because we didn't there's a CD. You hit forward, yeah. boom, track two. None of that. Yeah. You now with your streams, your Vimeo, you clickety clickety click. Millennials in their Vimeo. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> you, you you YouTube it to each other. Nonsense. Me, yeah. I'm in the trenches. The point I want to make to you, yeah. gentlemen, is I have you seen... You had to walk 17 miles <laughs> in the snow. <laughs> I have yeah. seen the ending wow. to okay. Melvin and Howard yeah. five million times. Yeah. I've seen the last two minutes of that film more than any other movie I'd ever yeah. seen. And it took me until maybe three years ago to actually watch the movie. Wow. <laughs> wow. Fantastic. Yeah, see, I my father loved this movie. And my father, an upcoming guest on the show, oh. we have the episode banked. It's oh, yeah. Quite a barn burner. If you like monologues by Jewish men, is we just you know got <laughs> right. a great one. Right, it is a <laughs> Spalding Gray esque yes. hour and a half long monologue done by my Gray. father talking wow. about Spalding Gray. Yes. Yes, um, it also uh, will explain a lot of my brain. <laughs> yes, exactly, and also why we're friends. Because all, I'm, I'm all just of sort it. of right. Exactly. Yeah, you, you the similarities between you and my father. The There's similarities a between where we me and my father. Talk about the evolution of New Line that Ben, yeah. I think, wanted to blow his brain. Yeah, Ben out. then calls us beta cocks. <laughs> yeah. But, but um, there, my my father talks about in the episode that he was not a big movie guy, despite working in the entertainment industry, which was sort of 
something he fell into and did not want to do after many other careers had failed him at that point. Um, and so I would always ask my dad what his favorite movies were because uh, I only cared about movies. They were the only thing I wanted to talk about. I'm like, my dad works in the movie business. He must m- love them. And he'd be like, eh, not really. But the movies he would tell me he loved were, I mean, this is kind of my dad's favorite type of movie, sure. which is this very, very sort of uh, seemingly slight, mm-hmm. small, well-observed human story yeah. with just a little bit of an odd bent. And he would describe movies to me as a child where I'd go, what's that about? I'd go, I think Melvin Howard's probably one of my 10 favorite movies. What's that about? And the way he would describe it to me would seem uh, uh, so odd. Yeah. That it would stick in my mind for years and years and years before I ever saw the movie. Brewster McCloud was another one like this where I'd go, what's the movie about? And he would say, it's about this guy who's just kind of a loser and he picks up an old man on the side of the road and it turns out to be uh, uh, Howard Hughes and he leaves him $160 million. So I go, so the movie is about him getting really rich out of nowhere? And he was like, no, that happens at the very end. (laughs) The movie is just kind of the guy living his life. And I would think, I don't understand how that's a movie. But So it must be good. That would right. that would be my takeaway when I was. That was the, that's like, what right. made it seem magical to me. I was like, whatever happens in the middle stretch of that it movie, must be but, insane. Right, right, an incredible setup, an amazing ending. There must be something so well executed because I don't understand how that can sustain ninety minutes. You right. know, and so it would hold this sort of mythical place in my brain of what is this movie. And it just sort of felt like I have in my head this sort of like the folklore version of it. Right, right. right? And it's a laugh a minute, you know, thrills and chills. Then you see it. It's kind of a shaggy dog thing. Well, I think I knew it must have been somewhat shaggy because, you know – the, the inciting incident then takes an hour and a half to play out where I was like, there aren't hijinks tied to the big hook of the movie. In order for that movie to be that good, something has to be done so well yeah. in the area that you're not even describing to me. That's what was kind of magical about it, I guess, was that he couldn't describe what happened in the whole middle chunk of the movie. It would be hard to describe. I mean, how would you describe it? It's like he just kind of it's does nothing. A guy a lives a he life. He lives his life. He's got the one wife and kids. That right. falls apart. He gets another wife yeah. eventually. He kind of tries to make it big a couple times. Yeah. He sort of like brushes up against, you know, tiny bits of He's success. a good milkman yeah. for a little while. Right, good milkman. You know, but like it's just vignette and sort of this but and that. The other yeah. movie that's sort of like this for me is uh, uh, Terms of Endearment, where I oh, feel yeah. like everyone remembers the beginning. Right. The everyone, end is humongous. Everyone watches that movie and is like, "Isn't this the movie about someone getting cancer and dying?" And it's like, "No, she <laughs> only right at the end." Is she it gets about cancer that. in the last ten yeah, minutes. Yeah. Mostly, it's just about her life. Mostly, and her it's mom. just about her life, yeah. and it's and a bunch of different relationships she has. Right. All these different things, yeah. right? And it's like, well, that's the real meat of the thing, but that's the hard thing to explain. So everyone reduces it to, right. "What's the setup? Overbearing mother. What's the end?" Cancer weepy. Yes. What's the setup? It, it, this beautiful sort of meeting between. Uh, you know, a nothing man and, and a billionaire, and a right? Guy, yeah, yeah. And what's the end? He gets the will, you know, for like a second. But knowing that right. it'll never. But it's yeah. but it's the same thing, and that's <clears throat> like you talk about what makes a good director, what makes a good screenplay, what makes a good performance. It's that all this stuff in the middle, and the middle is ninety five percent of the movie yeah. is so gripping and so engaging and so emotional, and there's no way to explain why it is because it's all just done well. It's well observed, you know? It's done with, like, an incredible amount of intelligence and craft. And also has, like, weird twists that you go with it. Like, they're watching a game show, and he's like, we should go on the game show. 
and then they go on the game show, which is which is based in fact. Right. right. That's right. that's in the Wikipedia page. Yeah. That but actually happened. But it is. I mean, it's a stranger than than truth story yeah. of what you know all the weird things this guy went through. That he got married twice, and the second time was <laughs> you know in Vegas to his wife who had left him, got pregnant by another man. You know, is it? Good that I relate to this character. Oh, totally. I think it's you're, I think inevitable. You have to. Yeah, you, you have to. Character. I mean, I think that's what because uh, I, I guess the ultimate cash in on this movie is this is sort of the Bo Goldman blank check because he had done Cuckoo's Nest, won the Oscar. Oh. Screenwriter, you're saying? Right. Yes. Yeah. And well, I, an I think this was his big pet project. He wins another Oscar for this screenplay. But I think much like Ebert, you know, guessed this was such a big news story. That probably everyone was thinking, yeah, how th- do you make a movie out of the lawsuit? How do you make a movie out of the trial? Right, and he ignored that. So he ignored it's, that. It's, a, it's a title card at the end. It's still yeah. under contention, which it's st- it was until like 2006. It was still being contested. Oh, I mean, it, someone wrote a book in the 90s. He yeah. sued again in the 2000s. He died whole, just a year ago. The whole problem was there was never a real will. So right. it could, they could just kind of like drag it out forever. Right. This was the only thing that he's purporting, he was even purporting to be a And Hughes there were will. very compelling narratives on both sides, which were, uh, Hughes's people were saying, why would he leave it to this guy? This thing's riddled with spelling errors. It has a bunch of things that don't line up with his life. Why would he leave money to this guy? This is stuff that anyone could have researched in a book. His wife had access to all these documents. She could have copied his signature, all this sort of stuff. And on Melvin's side, it's like these guys wanted that money for themselves. Right. They didn't want to give it up to some fucking guy who they never heard of Look, before. I don't mean to stomp on, you know, the wonderful reality of this movie, but he definitely made the will up. It's still, like the, the evidence against him is completely damning. And there's no evidence that he that he would have written this. Book. Did you read about this book though? That book is ludicrous. It, it has it's like the most insane circumstantial like, well, this one guy kind of saw him go to the sands one time. Like it's not very good. But also that Hughes had told other people about Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Maybe he met Howard Hughes. Yeah. Right. Why else would he have the idea to forge Howard Hughes' Hughes's will? Look, I think he probably made the will up, but that is the beauty of this movie, which is like, why not make a story about that being real? That's that's what I love about this movie. Right. Yeah. You don't really have to think about the real guy's real, you know, this movie's about the guy who actually got this will. You know, that's what I just said a while ago. Yeah. Right. Um... I'm doing a little research here. Okay. I think Melvin himself was on Let's Make It. They change it for the movie. It's not Let's Make a Deal. It's the Pathway to Riches or something uh, like that. What's it but called? Uh, not uh, Road to Riches? Uh, e- Easy Street? Easy Street. Easy Street with a dollar sign instead of a Z. That's what it is. But yeah. um, I think he was on. He was literally on Let's, Let's Make a Deal yeah. or something like that. But I think he was on more than once. Or he was on multiple. I don't know. It's a great... It's a great scheme, game shows. Uh, yes. I, there was a little stretch of my life when I thought game shows was my 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 window into uh, fortune. Really? Yeah. I was on a game show. Which game show? <laughs> I, well, first of all, I was almost on Jeopardy. Okay. And I would have been. I was going to guess. You seemed like you would kill it as a I, Jeopardy contestant. I had a disaster of a time when, because I made it past, you got, it's, you don't just, one does not simply walk into Jeopardy. <laughs> sure. Um, but I, uh. Screwed up. I could not remember John Grisham's name. Oh. John Grisham is not exactly an esoteric fella. No. Quite quite famous, especially. Quite famous. In the and 1990s. I could see yeah. his dumb books in my head. Yeah. 
I could see. You could the, feel it's the like weight. Blue marble, I and could, then half the pages. I, John Grisham. I saw. Yeah, yeah. I saw what's you know friggin' uh, Cruz in the in the firm. Right. Like the poster. You running. mean the greatest film of all yeah. time? It's not that good. The firm. Oh, hmm, interesting opinion. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> out. I could not remember John Grisham's name, and then I just. And then I was done, wow. and it knocked me out because you, you went to get past that round. That was in a, sort of the final audition. You had a, yeah, yeah, you had a bad thousand. So wait, what game show were you oh, on? I was on a show very relevant to mm-hmm. this. I was on a show called the, um, uh, what was the exact title? The all the the were oh, fuck. What was it called? Um, the Great American Film Fanatic, or something like that. The, the the world's biggest film fanatic, or it wasn't. Was it the IFC? IFC yeah, the, IFC the film Chris Gore hosted yeah, yeah, one. Yeah. Oh, I watched every episode of that. Yeah, well, then you saw me. I definitely did. Yeah, I was in yeah. the first season, and I won my semifinal. Uh huh. I won five grand, and that's when I decided it was that night. Yeah, I'm in Los Angeles. And it was funny because I was, you know, I, I'm from New York. Yeah, oh, yeah. And I'm from the New yeah, York, you're New Jersey. Yeah, real area. New York. I and they get flew it. me out to Los Angeles hey. Um, hey, in Angels. February. Ooh. It's cold in New York. Mm-hmm. And I was in an outdoor swimming pool in February. Wearing a boiler yeah. suit. <laughs> Saying to myself, <laughs> I, I, like, I'm having dreams here. L.A. <laughs> I'm going to conquer this town. Hollywood. How am I going to do it? Game shows. <laughs> and um, so You then, really are a bit of a Melvin Dumas. So yeah. then, uh, but, so I won five grand because I, I did quite well. But wow. then I lost the final round. And, again, and I'll tell you why. It's, it's, it's been, and you know this, mm. I sometimes look askance at animated films. Mm. Not too into the cartoons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't like the baby movies. You're a bit of my, an Eddie Valiant. Yeah. My favorite thing a was last year you, you making every film critic in the world, uh, the, in New York at least, furious at you by insisting <laughs> Paddington 2 was an animated. It was. It was an animated film. Paddington 2, because because we were talking about what's we were saying what's going to be the best animated film. You're like, like I don't know, Paddington 2. It's a cartoon, I'm right? Like, I'm like all people those people just kept being like, Jordan, I feel like you're joking, but it's not a cartoon. I was not joking. It's a cart. It's not a real bit. Bears don't talk. Bears don't friggin' talk. <laughs> this is a, you don't you don't understand how many conversations like this I have. To oh, I can imagine. Last. Bears yeah. don't talk. They don't friggin' live in the. Train station. They don't eat jelly sandwiches. It's right? marmalade. I think. I think a bear would eat a jelly sandwich I if you gave him one. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they'll sure. eat anything. Yeah, yeah, take enough true. drugs, a bear will talk yeah. to you. Yeah. That's true. Paddington Two is an animated film, so it's for children. So I, it's not really my thing. So similarly, my dad, my dad had the same thing when I took him to see the Muppets, and he went. So is that going to win Best Animated Film? He's right. It's a cartoon. It's not. <laughs> it's not a regular movie. I seriously, I could he could talk about this all day, and I would always find it funny. Well, I mean, every everything you say on this topic always. Well, gets I me. mean, the thing is this: in in my own defense, I forgot that Paddington Two had people in it. Right. I thought it was just talking. You initially bears. forgot that, but yeah. then you just, you yeah, just that, tripled I, down. I you poured all your money yeah. into it. Yeah, because everybody got annoyed. Exactly. It was great. <laughs> and I, mean, I fully supported look, it. It's a great bit. A hundred comedy <laughs> points. <laughs> all right, so. On the Ultimate Film Fanatic, uh-huh. where I won five thousand dollars, but should yeah. have won ten. Yeah, I'd forgotten. I forgot a fact about Shrek. Oh, which, which fact? Let well, me I mean, do you associate Cameron Diaz with Shrek? Of course I do. Yeah, I mean, she's Her most famous Shrek. role, Princess Fiona. She's not in Shrek. She's she in like all Shrek. of the no, fucking Shrek. It's a cartoon. She's not in it. This is true. She went in a booth for like four hours. And said some stupid lines. That's true. Very stupid And then lines. forgot about it. And now she, I'm supposed to remember that 
Cameron Diaz is in Shrek. Forgot about it, then got like a ten million dollar check. Or I remember. Sh- I believe she literally got ten million dollars for that movie. No. Yeah, for That's Shrek absurd. Two. Shrek Two. They didn't have sequel deals in place, Idiot. and Shrek Two. I believe Murphy, Myers, and Diaz each got ten million dollars. I'm telling you, Shrek Two. It. Was a hit at the box office. It would have made the same exact gross had they replaced Cameron Diaz with anybody off the it street. Was, you are correct. Ten million a piece. Yeah, but that was Jordan. They Gibbs made three hundred and fifty thousand for the first film. Name okay. an actress. Name Natasha Leone. Action. If they put Natasha Leone in instead of ah, Shrek, come on. How much better? Anybody? You fucking ogre. Put down yeah, that onion. Shrek. Get out <laughs> of my swamp. Good. She would be ah, good Shrek. Come on. All right. It's just it's just diegetic dialogue they picked up. No, they put Mary Steinbergen. You put Mary Steinbergen instead of Cameron Diaz. You give her two hundred and fifty five thousand dollars. She'd be thrilled. Sure, that's a lot of money. Ten yeah. million for Cameron Diaz. Cameron the nerve. D- Mary Steinbergen's married to Ted Danson, who's the richest man in the world. Yeah. All right. You know Pamela Reed is in Melvin and Howard. Great. Yeah. She's great her. in the film. She plays the Mormon. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's holding up the pieces of paper like this is a congressional <laughs> hearing. Jordan is holding up the printout of the Melvin and Howard Wikipedia <laughs> like he's page. Fucking Perry Mason, like he's like, <laughs> you'll see the record reflect she is in the film. Our first guest to ever ask for a hard copy of Wikipedia. <laughs> well, I, I I took notes and I left my computer at home. I had some I had some prepared comments. I I do love your I, argument that. Jeffrey Katzenberg should have dropped at that point probably the single most bankable actress in Hollywood and replaced her with Pamela Reed for the sequel. <laughs> Absolutely. Bankable yeah. my eye. Nobody gives a shit about her. They care about what the green monster looks like. Can I play devil's advocate here? Please. You have to remember that 2004, yeah. Trek 2, is the peak of Jeffrey Katzenberg latching onto this idea of what if I cast the biggest stars to be in my movie they only have to work a day, but then I make them do a full press tour. Right. They go on Leno. Right. They did they like so much too. fucking right. promo. And eventually they realized like people got burned out on that and they pull back yeah. on voice actors. But that year it was like they were promoting that like it was their a real movie, their passion project. A real movie. All three and it, of them. And Not it a was cartoon the, for children. It was in competition at the Cannes Film Festival. It was in competition. Shrek 2? Yeah. The Quentin Tarantino year. The year of Fahrenheit 9-11 wins. Yeah. I, I, maybe Shrek 2 should have won. Uh, uh, another another stunning set. <laughs> another stunning set. At the time of its release, and for several years after, Shrek 2 was the third highest grossing film of all time. Of if Holy there was cow. a movie... It was the fir- wasn't it the first movie to beat the Spider-Man opening weekend, I think? Or maybe it was the first, the second movie to get over yeah. 100. Yeah, but, I, um, but it was it was uh, uh, Titanic, then Star Wars, and yeah. then Shrek, Shrek 2. Why does Shrek keep coming up? <laughs> Donkey, donkey, so weird. I I don't know that I saw this. We talked about it on Spirited Away. Yeah, Shrek-ke. well, they're both cartoons. I saw. Um, I don't know. I saw <laughs> the first Shrek. I don't know. We should have had Jordan on every Miyazaki episode. <laughs> not a fan. Not I don't a know. Fan. It's a fucking tune. Not a fan. <laughs> Princess Mononoke, give me a break. Go fly your castle somewhere else, lady. There is an animated film that we almost went to see together. You very kindly invited really? me to a screening, oh. but it was at 9 a.m. on a Saturday, and I slept through it. Did I? Yes, and it was, I believe, the one animated franchise you kind of have affinity for because we've talked about Wait, it before. let me guess. Uh, sausage Party? <laughs> Hotel Transylvania. Oh, Hotel Transylvania is great. Thank you. That's I a great Because it's Everyone super borscht-belty. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's not a real movie, but, but it's, we bonded it's, yeah. on that. You were like, "Yeah, that's the only cartoon I like." Yeah, I like Hotel Transylvania. It's monsters and they make vaudeville jokes. <laughs> it's great. It's fantastic. Did they make a third one? I think they, they did. did. The third I one's great. I saw the first the best one. So I didn't. I did very well on the second. Um, sure. Second round of uh-huh. Ultimate you missed Film a Fanatic. Shrek. 
But it was the Shrek thing. Now, here's what's... A, uh, How was the question posed? Do you remember what... I do. I remember yeah. it exactly. Okay. And I have a little bit of a bone to pick with the producers of the, of the, of the show. Mm-hmm. Um... Because what they did was, as you know, there's editing involved of in entertainment. Of Maybe course. not on they this show. Like but, uh, Except for the Tick. Tick had no edits. <laughs> so you know that. <laughs> it was uh, all live, like that one episode of ER. So <laughs> Great episode. <laughs> Every time someone pressed the button to stream it, I have to run back to the stages. <laughs> <laughs> on, on the Ultimate <laughs> Film Fanatic, when they cut it together, they did make snips. So mm-hmm. when there was uh, something for this particular gag... The, the 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 gag was called Cameron Cameron Cameron, and they mm. put us all up in a line. Sure, and we had to name a film that was associated either with James Cameron, Cameron Crowe, or Cameron Diaz. Sure, and it would go down the line. So the you'd say Cameron. Titanic, yeah. uh, you know, uh, Elizabeth Town, something else, and gotcha. then it came, and I had run out, and we were at the bottom yeah. because we were, and it was time to go to mm-hmm. the fake movies, i.e., cartoons, i.e., right. Shrek. <laughs> So I had already said Charlie's Angels 2 Full Throttle, mm-hmm. but I'd run out of Cameron Diaz movies. Mm. Um, so, so you weren't feeling I bombed out on Cameron Diaz. And then the person next to me was like, Shrek. And like, of course, Shrek. Her well, highest grossing you. film. It's a cartoon. So the point is this, though. They edited to make it watchable. Mm-hmm. So um, all the really deep cuts that I pulled out of my sure, rear end. Your, your Last Suppers. Yeah, no, I pulled out a yeah. lot of weird things for yeah. James Cameron. Uh, well, not, I mean, how many weird yeah. movies are he involved in? But, you know. She's the one. Yeah, I pulled yeah. It, I pulled in some some nice ones. Deep Diaz. In Minnesota. Uh, I, I think I pulled in, you know, whatever. I, they didn't make the cut. So yeah. I look like some idiot. You look like a fucking moron. Who yeah, bombed you, out on Shrek. Like, uh, Charlie's Angels? And then yeah. you're like, uh, yeah. uh, uh, uh right. I don't know. So I had a little bit of a bone. But I did get five grand. And there were other yeah. great. I had to do um, uh, uh, I had to do a, um, a debate round where we had to pretend. I had to pretend that I didn't like Kill Bill. Oh, wow. Which is they weird. assigned you? Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's an NDA. It's also like 10 years ago. Yeah, but that but, feels like a, like an SAT like yeah. essay where you're just like- Pretend you don't like um, somebody. You didn't have to do the SAT essay, right? That was that came later. I did it. I think I or did, did they? Essays. No, what changed? Something fucking changed. They the added SATs. an essay portion. Yeah. I don't know. The essay was the worst, though, because it's like you crack open your book and it'd be like, here's your thing that you have to defend. And you're right. like, I don't agree with this, and I have 10 minutes? Right, right, right. That's how it was. Like, yeah. Because like, the producers took us aside. It's like, okay, these are our topics. Uh, you too. You, we pay, it's like, we're going to do uh, Kill Bill. Uh, do, do either of you have an opinion on it? The guy looks like, he's like, I love Kill Bill. It's like, great. Do you dislike it? I'm like, no, but I'll pretend I don't. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not the world's biggest Kill Bill fan, but mm-hmm. like, I got up there. So actually, in honesty, it was good because I just – you got to get in their face. And yeah. Like, you know, if you just want to watch Mindless Violence, man, and yeah. watch somebody rip off all these Hong Kong films, <laughs> and sure, go rank Kill Bill, man. Audience goes wild, yeah. and I win $5,000. Wow. The other contestants hated me because they thought I cheated. Right. And of the other – which I didn't do because they have monitors. And yeah. Game shows. I won't get into the how of it, but they 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 were also it was Shrek and Donkey were the other two contestants. <laughs> right, right, it was Shrek and Donkey. So they they didn't like the. But what's funny? I shouldn't really talk about this. There, there was this was a long time. This was like fifteen years ago, right? Yeah, yeah. I have lost touch with everybody else associated with this, but uh-huh. there's one other guy. The guy that I beat is like tangentially involved in the movie biz, and I sure. know for a fact that he still holds a grudge against me. Really? Because it's gotten, oh, I met this dude. Uh, like, other film yeah. people have met this guy, and it was and like, that guy remembers. hates you. And it's like, well, I'm like, all right, because I beat wow. him in a game show Scott in 2004. Derrickson? Yeah, it's pretty much Scott Derrickson. <laughs> yeah. Well, Scott, look. I, I love Scott Derrickson. Have you seen the remake of The Day of the Earth Stood Still? No, is it good? No, it's absolutely awful. <laughs> but, you know, he, he did his best, and we should applaud that. You know? I like some of his movies. I don't mind his movies yeah. at all. 
Oh, they're terrible. <laughs> what has he made that's good? I like Captain, the, the Captain one with Strange the Ethan Hawk, is okay. Isn't that, Sinister. That one, yeah, that one's yeah. all right. And yeah, Captain Strange is all right. Captain Strange is the best thing Look, he did. Look, what's in the attic? Look, if, yeah. you, if the movie's about what's in the attic, I'm like, four stars. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. you're, you're, I have a high ceiling <laughs> for a movie best, about something in the attic. The best thing he did was Captain Strange because it's a Kevin Feige movie. It's Wait, really you get the name wrong. It's Mr. Strange, PhD. <laughs> Show some respect for his You know, we've title. Stranger Wits before you got to Ellis, so, <laughs> you know. Um, that That is my single favorite joke, is just saying blank was Blankowitz before they got to Ellis Island. <laughs> Any goofy character name, sure. adding on a wits. Um, well, you're a witty man. I'm a, a witsy man. Uh, so, yeah, game shows. Game that's, shows. So that's why I really identify with Melvin. Can I tell you the one movie I've always wanted to see get made has been like, you know, notoriously one of like the great unmade scripts. And uh, as I've inched my way into this industry, I'm like, maybe I can like somehow get this made someday. Uh, that feels sort of Melvin and Howardy to me. Um, the uh, the press your luck story. Well, have we, we talked about that on. We, we have. No okay. I'm pretty sure we have no whammies. Yeah. The guy who, like, figured out the the combination. Oh, yeah. But he was very much a Melvin Dumar character where he was, like, a loser who worked, like, sporadically as an ice cream truck driver. I'm pretty sure we have talked I'm about I'm trying to this. build a bridge have. back to Melvin. I would just want to point out Emily Vanderwerf wrote a screenplay about that guy, and it is fantastic. Really? Okay, because there's another screenplay that I've read. I would love to read that yeah. screenplay as well. Um, well I, I thought I, of that story, and... Seeing this movie for the first time, I was like, oh, they this would have just been an episode of This American Life or something. Right, right. This American Life did yeah. an episode I'm on him recently, but um, you can watch the full run of his, like, uh, extra long episode. Um, <laughs> of, of Press Your Luck Man. Yes. Okay. But it was similarly, it was a guy who was, like, a loser who could never hold down a job, and he sat at home every day, and he figured out the combination of Press Your Luck <laughs> so that he could never lose – yeah. And he was like, I'm going to go on and I'm only going to win by this much so oh. I keep on getting invited back and I can have the longest Ken Jennings-esque run. Yeah. And when he got there and for the first time he was winning at something and people were cheering him on, he couldn't walk away. Oh. And so he kept on winning and winning and winning and winning and they weren't cutting the episode and they were like, fuck, this has been going on for an hour. We'll split it. Now it's three days worth of programming. And he went on for so long that in the control room they were like, he's figured it out. Wow. And so he got a portion of his money back, but then his life is sort of after Press Your Luck is very much like Melvin in the middle of this movie. He pressed his luck. He pressed his luck and he made a bunch of money, but he kind of never figured out what to do with it. And he fell like prey to a bunch of scams. And he was just sort of this guy who like, uh, you know, had his one moment of like glory. Yeah. And the rest of his life was just trying to find some way, some – I mean it's it's the yeah. easy street thing. It's beautiful that the fake – game show is called Easy Street sure, yeah. because it's like Melvin loves this idea of like scooting your way in. In America, you could always one door away yeah. from just hitting it. Well, you know, sim you remember King of Kong, right? The documentary yeah. about the, the yeah. Donkey Kong guys. Gorgeous I mean, guy. Yeah. That's another one. You know, yeah. that, that, mo that movie is so fascinating to me because there's clearly a hero and a villain. Yeah. If the villain wasn't in the movie – you would hate the hero totally. because his baby, his toddler, his yeah. two-year-old kid has soiled himself yeah. or herself and right. is going, Daddy, I need a diaper change. He's there playing fucking Donkey Kong. Yeah. Wait, I got to finish. I got to right. get a kill screen. 
Right. It's all <laughs> right. It's all about the juxtaposition with him against Billy Mitchell, who makes him look good. Right. But that's another yeah. like. Here's another thing that's great about Melvin of Howard, and and then we'll go try to go through the plot uh, yeah. as much as there is a plot because uh, there are individual plot. things I want to talk about. Yeah, hey, right. yeah, hey, scenes. Yes. Um, Moments. But it is so telling that it's like you have Dabney Coleman as like the asshole in the movie, right? He's the judge. He's the splash of cold water where you're just like, fuck you. Let me right, watch yeah. this charming film. Let everyone succeed. And he's got one scene, you know? It, it, this movie does not spend too much time with people doubting him. You know, you get right. the little voices of dissent. Yeah. But that's not the world that he wants to live in. They, You know, he doesn't want to make a movie about the Billy Mitchells keeping the, yeah, the Steve yeah. Weebies down. Even when he's splitting up with his wife more than once, it's yeah. still like I, they clearly love one another. Totally. She's just got to go. And another great yeah. example, the Jack uh, Cahill uh, character, his uh, supervisor at the right. milk delivery company, yeah, yeah. is like sometimes kind of a pill to him and is other times like kind of a likable guy and kind yeah. of relatable. He, he, he's still like, yeah, you're the milkman of the month, but right. you also owe us money. Right. Like, yes, you, you know, we love you, but you, you – you busted a fender. And when he gets up and does his performance at, like, the tiki bar party, he's, like, enjoying it. He's laughing at it. Like, right. no one's, like, a straight antagonist in no, this film. No, there's no villains. Right. It's just about, like, this This is what life is like, ups and downs. I mean, I, we should start at the beginning because it is this sort of bravura thing of uh, – he's back with Tak Fujimoto. Yes. Who does his very first movie, Caged Heat, doesn't do the next four, and then comes back for Last Embrace. Yes. Um, and uh, – I, I feel like does a couple other major films in between. Let me look at my Start up. sort let of me, working with more substantial people. Let field. me see what we Comes got. one of the great cinematographers of all time. Absolutely. Still alive. Very yes. old. Uh, you know, he shot um, Death Race 2000. Of course. He shot uh, second unit photography on a little film called uh, Star Wars. Never heard of it. I don't know that one. Is that true? Uh, yeah, I didn't know that. It is true, yeah. yes. Uh, apart that? from that, not much. Okay. I mean, he's going to go on to shoot movies like Ferris Bueller. Uh, what else did he shoot? I mean, obviously he shot Pulp Sansa Fiction. Um, he shot pretty much all of Demi's stuff later on. Wait, I'm, right? I'm making that up. He oh. didn't shoot Pulp Fiction. Who shot Pulp Fiction? I thought I thought it was him. Am I wrong about this? Um, uh, but he also, he does like the four Shyamalans. He does Signs and Yeah, he Sixth does a lot Sense. of Shyamalans. Oh, it's Andre Sekula. I don't know. I can't okay. remember why I thought it was Tak Fujimoto. It doesn't yeah. matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Uh, never nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, it's weird. Really stupid. Uh, despite uh, shooting sure. several Best Picture winners and nominees. Mm -hmm. um, but th this movie, this is like, you know, the first time Demi is like totally nailed down his visual style in concert with Fujimoto. Yeah. Which is, there is something whimsical about it, but there's nothing painterly about it. It's it's very clean, you know? Yeah. And it's not overly sort of stylized in a sort of uh, designed way. But it is a movie that is dealing with a slightly heightened reality. Yeah, and has has weird music choices. I mean, it has Queen's yeah. Clearwater Revival, which is a cliche now, but this was one of the first. And has Satisfaction, which I have to imagine is maybe the first time someone's used Satisfaction in a non-Rolling Stones movie. <laughs> right, but like, yeah, yeah, when Fortunate Son comes up, you're like— Oh, this feels different because you can tell 
this is the first time someone's used it in a movie. Right, right. Whereas Not now the 27. Like, after years yeah. of like it being in like Ford commercials. We get and it, shit. it's Vietnam. <laughs> Isn't it weird though that you can sense the difference in energy of when like even though we're living in a future where we've seen this dropped in too many movies. Right. That you can tell that this has the energy of this is the first time that someone's put this to image. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah, watch the Suzy Q, uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival, Suzy Q in Apocalypse Now. Yeah. Has a weird energy to it. It just has still. a different, you know. it, there's some electricity to yeah. it. Um, but yeah, weird music choices. He always makes sort of weird, I mean, because, yeah, he, you know, I, I feel like the movie does not have an exaggerated color palette, but then Demi will always throw in these weird extreme splashes of color, whether it's a piece of set dressing or costuming or whatever it is. But you start with these beautiful shots out in the desert mm-hmm. of uh, Robards as Howard Hughes yeah. uh, on his motorcycle. Uh, which is thoroughly homaged in The, the Master. Master. Right. I mean, this is one of PTA's like favorite movies of all time. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's why he puts Robards PTA, in. listen to me. <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, say his whole fucking name every time. Paul, Thomas, Thomas Anderson. Anderson. falling asleep. I feel like I ran a mile. <laughs> um, that's why he puts Robards in Magnolia. Yeah. And that's why there's a whole desert biking sequence between two men where they're dressed almost identical to this and the shots are so similar. Mm -hmm. There's that one beautiful shot where they're like tracking high speed with uh, Howard on the motorcycle and you don't understand how the camera is moving that fast. Right. Or they're creating the illusion that the motorcycle is uh, moving faster than it is. Uh, But he's always staying kind of perfectly in frame. It's just really crisp, clean, Mm -hmm. beautiful, well shot. And then he wipes out. Yeah. And then you go to Melvin in like near pitch darkness. It's another choice I love of just like this stuff with uh, Melvin driving is actually how dark it feels to be in a truck yeah. in the middle of the night in the middle of nowhere where there's no civilization and no light. And when they get inside when, – when Howard gets inside, it gets a little brighter. But it's still like their hair is disappearing into the shadows. Yeah, and it does have that really, horror movie feel. Totally. Yeah. Um, which also makes it so that there is a weird intimacy between them um, because all you can really visually uh, sort of handle is their two faces. Right. You know, they're like the two things popping out and otherwise this like abyss of darkness. Mm-hmm. And the fact that uh, Howard at first is so completely unamused with this guy. Right. To the point of irritation. Right. It's not like right. It's not like he gets in Howard just like, I want to know more about you. Right. right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I'm a man of the people. Right. Right. It's right. not like immediately Melvin does something to endear himself to him. You know, it's like he's kind of being held hostage by this guy. Don't sing your song. I don't want to hear it. Right. He doesn't even want to get into the truck in the first no. place. Right. <laughs> right. He's such a fucking baby. Right. He's like bleeding on the side of the road as an old beetle goosey man. And, uh, you know, like Melvin only finds him because he takes a piss. Uh, He happens to pull over in the right spot where this guy is just at the absolute edge of his range of vision with limited light. He can just make out this guy. And so it's a coincidence that he pulls over at the right place. But it still defines him that he is so adamant about getting this guy into his truck. Because I think most people, I mean, this is like a defining Melvin, like sort of save the cat thing. Most people, if you tried to pick an old man off the side of the road who was bleeding and he said no and started flailing, they'd be like, you know what? Fuck you. You're on your own, dude. Right. right it's a good right. question. What would I do? If the guy was pushing back that hard, yeah. you know, I think a lot of people would. You want to believe, but a lot of people would yeah. just go like, if he wants to die here, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, what, right, right, right. Whatever. Right, right, right. That's a good point. But Melvin forces him in the truck. 
Yeah, and forces him to sing Santa souped up sleigh. I mean, that's what that's the true delight, right? Yeah. And this perfect microcosm of like, here's a guy who like barely has two quarters to rub together. Mm-hmm. He writes a completely perfunctory Santa song. Yes. And thinks this is a hundred percent worth the investment <laughs> of me sending away my lyrics to a company that will write music for it. Right. Because this is so clearly my meal ticket. Right. To the extent that presumably whatever deal that Rinky Dink Company has would give them like 70% of sure, the royalties right. for like the, song. the song. But right. he's like, sure. I have so much money I'm going to make off this fucking song yeah. that I got to do it. And he's so proud of this song that not only does he want to sing it, but he wants to force <laughs> Howard Hughes. An old stranger, <laughs> right. an old bleeding stranger to sing it with. Huh? And Robars just has so much fucking presence here. It's incredible. And is, I think it's incredible work. Is so I love him. Good at at sort of just selling the ice very very subtly starting to like crack and melt around his whole sort of heart. Right. Yes. Do you think the last scene, the bookend scene is that fantasy? I think that's real. Okay. I think that's yeah. real. Yeah, I do. The whole movie is a fantasy. Oh, stop. In a good way. I I would not I mean I'm curious. I wonder yeah. if in the script that was in the opening. Oh, and they and in shot editing, it. And editing, yeah. they were like, we kind of want to end with Howard again. Right. His presence is so over. Because they remember, there probably would have been, if CinemaScore was around in 1980, yeah. there probably would have been, I thought this movie was going to be about Howard Hughes. He's totally. in it for two and a half minutes. Totally. Sure. Totally. Yeah. Right. Uh, but that poster, Melvin, in brackets, and Howard. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Yeah. Do you have a favorite scene? Uh, my favorite scene is the game show. That's that's like my favorite. That's like electrifying. Yeah, I love is. everything about it. Yeah. I love how he makes it not feel patronizing. Yeah, which is sort of the magic of this movie. I would yeah. say, right? It never feels like it's uh, looking down on its characters. On yeah. Mary, uh, whatever her name is, right? Because uh, she's Linda, a- Linda. She actually. Yeah. It's it, the the shtick is that he's got the magic touch and he always knows what door to pick. Right. And then at the end, she doesn't listen to him no. and she still wins the money. Yes. Right. And knows. he's not mad at her. Like in another movie, he would have like beat her and taken the money. Right. Well, Jesus. I mean, a horrible a movie. movie. Well, I'm not saying yeah. this movie. I'm saying no, but you know, because she, she showed up the man. Yeah. He's a he's a dope. He, yeah. He's a dope, but he's a decent man. Sure. Right. You yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. but the movie. But then also, he goes and buys a boat because he's yeah. an idiot yeah. and a hat right. too, a little boat hat. Yeah. The movie is also about like these seemingly innocuous meaningless little choices that can actually change the entire direction of your life. Mm-hmm, yeah. And then nothing exemplifies that better than just three doors on a stage. <laughs> yes. yeah. You know? Well, right, that and, and, game and, show and, right, and, and the type, like the let's make a deal type game right. shows, which are so, like there's there's no skill whatsoever His to them really. Yeah. I always pick the right door. Yeah, right. You know, like, it's Christ. it's total luck. It's At not the very best, luck it's intuition. Yeah. Right, right. There's no code to break. I also love, I mean, I have to imagine, I don't, I can't think of uh, uh, any game show I have ever heard of that is like this game show, <laughs> which starts out as a talent competition. Well, right. And only it's some if weird the audience, conglomeration of right, two it's game like shows. Right, it's like a gong yeah. show plus yes. a like, plus, a you know. Plus essentially like deal or no deal. But right. like at the time, like let's make a deal. Right, yeah. right. But, but that sort of beauty of like you need to have enough sort of talent to, to your, make right, it to right. the point where then it's arbitrary. Right. It would be yeah. like if to get to the showcase showdown in The Price is Right, you had to sing a song. <laughs> right. And Bob Barker would be, you have the prettiest voice. Come upstage. But, but it yeah. is like the honest truth of show business, too, where it's like you need to have a lot of ability and a lot of, and a lot of luck. luck. Yeah. Right. 
You know, it's like you can be so skilled, but if you're not in the right place at the right time, you're you're Lewin Davis. I also, yeah, if, sure. if you always pick the wrong door, you're Lewin Davis. Sure, he's always going to pick the wrong door. But right. uh, I also feel like when she starts tap dancing, there's a lot of movies that would like sort of um, drag out the humiliating part of it. Totally. Like before the turn. Yeah. But instead, it's just kind of like a gradual like mur- like booze to murmurs to like them being into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and or, she liked it. She loves yeah, to dance. Exactly. She's or, happy. never really makes fun of her. Here's another no. thing that most movies would do. She starts performing. People are booing her. You cut into a really, really tight close-up. You see her getting scared. Exactly. Her eyes dart over to Melvin in the audience. Yeah. He, like, mouths something like, you got this, or gives her a nod. Exactly. And then she has, like, the Popeye, like, surge of That's confidence. That's exactly what I'm talking about, which right. I would fear yeah, yeah, how, right. that, how that would work. Yeah. But it's like, here she is dancing, doing a really dorky but earnest yes. tap dance number to the song that she was stripping to. Yes. <laughs> Nigh, you know, five years earlier. Yeah. And she just so thoroughly believes in herself that eventually she wins the audience over. Right. Her routine does not get specifically more complicated nor no, more impressive. Just in front of yeah. It's yeah. just persistence. Yeah. Which is smile. it's a good microcosm for the movie. Yeah. It's you I know. love I love the um I love the kissing montage. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they, very get, good. they just got married. Yes. And they're paying Witnesses, because it's Vegas, right? They, they got upsold on a bunch of details. <laughs> I love it when the lady's like, it's $4 for the ceremony and the 5 for the witnesses. And right, right. Well, there's and a the, beautiful moment, which is they offer the veil. Right. Steenburgen's like, we can't afford the veil. And he whispers in her ear. You don't know what he says, but presumably says something like, you know, Come on, baby, please, go I'm going to take care of you. Yeah. I'm your man. I, we can afford the veil. Add the veil onto the tab, and then he is not prepared for the 18 other charges that they have not told him about. The witness charge, you know, all these different things. So the witnesses are these old cockers, and one of them collapses because he doesn't have any oxygen. Yeah. And so they're like, well, we're free for the afternoon, and they just become wedding witnesses. Yeah. Like, they they just got married. They should be off. Right. Gallivanting. But they immediately have to make back the money they just spent on their second wedding. But the thing is, they seem— the characters seem just overjoyed that yeah. at these other people's weddings. Yes. And when they kiss, you know, they smooch the, the you know, and, and it gets Is a little. Is this a thing like kissing witnesses to this extent? I, don't I mean, know. it gets a little like some of the dudes are like really into Mary Steenburgen. And, and she, at one point she's like, all right, buddy, take it easy. Her faces every time she pulls away from a guy in that montage. Yeah. She's her like, face in this whole movie. She's yeah, like, a, she's, it's an incredible it's, it's, performance. It's, a, it's a, almost w- underrated and she won an Oscar. I know. It's an amazing performance because she's. Annoyed because clearly some dude is macking on her to use a a term, but she's also kind of like she gets it. She's like everybody's happy. This dude's turned on by me. Like yeah, it's like a it's like I can't even. There's no adjective alive to describe what is going on in this sequence. No, it's a masterpiece. It's incredible. And and a thing this movie does so well, especially with the Steenburgen character, and it's a thing I always love to see when movies have the confidence to go forward and the skill to pull it off is sort of the use of uh, ellipses in its storytelling Mm. where you will jump ahead and not know how much time has elapsed. And sort of like Mary Steenburgen – because you go from the the truck ride and, you know, the defining moment, which is uh, Melvin giving him, you know, the loose change he has in his pocket, Uh, which feels to me, you know, especially if you're going to make a movie in which you – fully take Melvin at his word and believe that Howard saw something in him that made him want to leave one-sixteenth of his fortune to him. 
The answer is Howard was testing him. Right. You know, he was kind of curious. What's the character of this guy? This guy doesn't have two nickels to rub together. Would he give me the one? You know? And uh, you go from that to him sneaking into bed in his trailer, which there's something so evocative of someone getting home at sunrise and getting yeah. into bed with someone who has been sleeping for hours and is about to wake up. Yeah. It's such a specific sort of mood. Yeah. And then, you know, 30 minutes later, maybe less, she wakes up, sees the motorcycle being repossessed, and just grabs the daughter, the four important stuffed animals, and gets in the car. And it tells you everything, which is just like, this shit keeps happening, and she made some sort of promise to herself where she was like, the next time there's a repossession, I'm leaving. There's no thought. You know, it's like automatic. I hear the repossession truck backing up, and I'm out of here. And she's gone. You know, you see him freaking out about it. He wakes up. He runs after her. But then you cut to the two of them in a motel room, an asshole running out, and she's sitting there with tears streaming down her face and a a black eye. Right, And you don't know what happened in between. There's a lot you can infer. Sure. But you don't know if this is the guy she's been with for six months or a year or a week, how long she's been gone, if this is the only relationship she's had, you know? You don't know if this is an isolated yeah, they, they incident never or pattern. Again. Totally. And the daughter just says, I want to be back with daddy. Right. And then later when she's pregnant, it's a, you, it's like 50-50 if he's totally. the father. You know, totally. It, it's completely unknown. But the movie doesn't want to answer that question yeah, because— It's not—he doesn't ask it, really. Because Melvin doesn't want the answer to that question. Exactly. He says it on the phone. He's like, that better be my kid. Sure. But he knows if he actually gets into the nitty-gritty of it, he's probably going to get an answer gonna, he hates. Exactly. So he yeah. doesn't want to take out a calendar, you know? And there's, like, a, a, just a beautiful, beautiful piece of direction, which is, uh, you know, Steenburgen— uh, you know, brings her into the bathroom, preps her to see her dad, is trying to assemble the sandwich as quickly as oh, possible right, yeah. before the train takes off, mm-hmm. which is like one of these like it's a great way to test an actor, but it's also a great way to make any scene more interesting is give an actor a piece of business that they're putting 90% of their attention to yeah. while the dialogue is still important. She's trying to Im- Im- like, you know uh, – She's trying to give her daughter actual information on her life. Right, but she's also looking for mustard. 90% of the energy is spent on the mustard, (laughs) you know? And that's a moment where you're like, this is this person's third movie. This is a movie star. Like, this is an incredible actor. 100%. I mean, that's, I assume, why she ran away with the Oscar, yeah. But then you put the daughter on the train, and you hard cut to, and this is like when I almost started crying at this movie, uh, just a sustained two shot of Melvin. Every critic's award. Everything. She won everything. I mean, she's just like swept. Uh, yes. Sustained yes. two shot of Melvin and the daughter in the trailer, both wearing novelty sunglasses. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and yes. he's got a plate of bacon on top of a toaster and they're watching TV while eating breakfast. Yes. And it tells you everything. It tells you that this guy does not really know how to parent on his own, but what he does know how to do is make her life fun, which yeah. she needs right now because he needs to sell to her that he's worth being with because she's been away for so long. And also, he can probably tell that she's been dealing with some bullshit with her mother. Yeah. So here he is presenting, like, why is the plate on top of the toaster? Are they using that to heat the bacon? <laughs> or are they just, like, ignoring safety, you know? But also the idea of, like, hey, it's fun breakfast. We're wearing sunglasses right. and watching and, TV. And watching I'm fun weird, dad. They're watching something God. weird on TV, yeah. too, right? They're watching, like, a, a, a musician or something, yeah. and they're kind of heckling him a little bit. But or? it tells you everything yeah. about how this guy is trying to reconnect with his daughter yeah. and the fact that it's worth. Working, but it's probably not sustainable. 
You know, another movie that it's like when we were talking earlier, how it has a look and feel of New Hollywood. It's it's like Alice doesn't live here anymore, mm-hmm. but with none of the heartache, really. Right. With none of the none of the none of the bad news. You know? I thought of Strozik. Strozik. I mean, I guess because they're out in, like in a part of the America you don't see too much in movies or that part of the Trying world. Trying to get the American dream and it all falling apart. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing is like chicken. There is Sir, no. There's a chicken. The, yeah, the chicken. You made it sound like you were calling him a chicken. You chicken. <laughs> Who did Steve Mergen beat in the Oscars? I can give you the list. Yeah, 1980. Here we go. David is stretching out. Kathy Moriarty in Raging Bull. Great performance. Great performance. Oh, yeah, she's good in that. Um, Eileen Brennan in Private Benjamin. Great performance. Oh, yeah. shit. Wait, 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 wait. She would have been supporting, though, right? Supporting. This yeah, is this supporting. Is supporting. Oh, dude. Okay. Yeah, Steve Mergen gets supporting. And then yeah. two movies I've never seen. Um, Diana Scarved in Inside Moves. Uh-huh. I have seen that. Uh, the Richard it. Donner movie with uh, John Savage or whoever. Uh, and Eve La Guyenne in Resurrection, the Ellen Burstyn wow. movie. What is that? A woman enters the afterlife briefly after yeah. a car crash that kills her husband, but that, she survives right. and finds herself possessing Strange power. Who made that movie? That's a declared Daniel dead, Petrie. but then back. Right. It's sort of oh, like a media mask. Daniel Petrie's made some good movies. Though. He made a zillion movies back yeah. in the day. I mean, he made Cocoon 2. Wow. That is, Can't fuck with that. That is a fascinating category, though, because Steenburgen and Moriarty are both the like, Young, oh, is this ingenue. the next movie yes. star? Yeah. There was so much buzz around Moriarty if you read like all the reviews in the press at the time. And then she sort of like makes a couple of bad career choices, has a car accident, and then yeah. disappears for like seven or eight years. If if I'm in the voting booth and it's those five and it's it's Moriarty versus Steenburgen, that's a tough call. It's a tough call. I, I, I think, think Steenburgen's Yeah. I would because you she know would what? be my winner. Yeah. She'd be my winner because I'm a positive person and yeah. Raging Bulls it's down. I think that's yeah. part of it is that uh You know what my you favorite know, line for Raging, Raging Bulls, Bulls is, is a tough watch. Yeah. Can I say it? You can say it. Because I just said like I'm I'm want. kind of a PG guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm like known for being family friendly. Even though you hate cartoons. Right, that's true. You know what's a good line in Raging Bull? A movie that's like beloved by cineasts uh-huh. and everyone around the world yeah. who win awards. On your mother's cunt! Your mother's cunt! Wow. You remember that scene? This no. is a office and place of business. <laughs> Just want to remind uh, you that. I have seen Raging Bull like one time. It's never a movie. Maybe twice. I like it. There's no beef with I, it. I, I think love I've Hardy, only seen it once, too. But it's such a tough watch yeah. that I so rarely am yeah. like, let me throw on the Raging I've Bull. I've seen Raging Bull a bunch. That All right. It's a good rules. movie. Do you remember when they throw uh, him in the jail cell? Yeah, that's the best scene. And uh, you know what he says? Your mother's cunt! <laughs> on your mother's cunt, Jordan, it, Jordan, when this episode ends, Ben has to walk out of the studio and sit at a desk. <laughs> With people who love her It's a yelling. very interesting Oscar year. <laughs> yeah. Because Sorry. I never swear. No, David, you know me for a long time. I don't PJ Hoffman. No, no, you really do. No, I work blue very rarely. It's true. Yeah, I actually you know. realizing this about you. Yeah. I never really thought I, I, about it. I don't it. work blue. The winner of that year, of course, uh-huh. the Raging Bull lost uh, to Ordinary People. Ordinary People. Right. And which, Jason Robards loses to Timothy Hutton. That's right. Uh, Classic category for Oscars. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I no, no, they no, were yeah, giving yeah. Robards a third Oscar. No, but a lot of people were like, fuck, is this his best performance yet? You read the reviews and they're like, god damn it. This is the best he's ever been with less than 10 minutes. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. Hutton is a bit of category fraud. Judd Hirsch, uh, also nominated. Great performance right. by Judd Hirsch. Hirsch um, might have been my winner that year if you place Hutton where he belongs. Um, but uh, Hutton's very good. Yeah, but like, and I feel like ordinary people, the uh, the beef on it is like, oh fuck that movie, you know, it it, it beat Raging Bull yeah, it's and like what? Good. It's, a very it's good really film. good and it's pretty revolutionary, yeah, which yeah. people don't give it credit for because yeah. like that's just not a kind of movie that existed. No, 
you know, this no. sort of like repressed therapy drama. Like, yeah. you know, this is all new territory. Yeah. It's a great movie. Mary Tyler Moore is like Mary not, Tyler Moore is outrageously good. Now. Phenomenal. Yeah. 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 Did I take trick? Did I take trick? <laughs> it's her best but, scene. But um, yeah, I mean, Raging, Raging Bull. But you know what? Well, here are the other nominees. Okay. Elephant yeah. Man, Ooh. which is one of those movies where you watch it and you're like, Oh, uh, this is his normal one, right? This is like his biopic. And you're like, yeah. oh no, there's like ants crawling. This isn't that normal. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it's a Lynch movie. Yeah. Great movie. Coal Miner's Daughter, which is a fabulous yeah, movie. Yeah. so good. That's apted, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, which is like just so like raw and yeah. real and Sissy Space and Tommy yeah. Lee Jones are so incredible and in fucking it. Levon Helms. Levon yes, Helms. Incredible. In that movie. So good. And then Tess. The Polanski oh, movie. Was only for Best Picture? Oh, yeah. That wow. thing was only yeah. for like eight Oscars. Yeah. It was huge. That movie is uh, great. I mean, I haven't seen it. I'm that in not, uh, you know, after my outburst earlier, I don't want to be the guy defending Polanski no, also. No, I mean, but, uh, yes. He's, Look, he, objectively, it's a, big movie of the time. a well-made movie. Yeah. It, quite a choice for him to make that film at that moment. Well, <laughs> in retrospect. Oh, God. Well, first of all, if, if you just saw um, Once Upon a Time in, in Hollywood, yeah. they, they there's made, the because yeah. it's true. true. Um, what's Sharon her name? Tate wanted. Sharon Tate was the one who wanted to And there's the yeah. scene of him, of her buying him the book. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's gorgeous. Now, I, uh, David, uh, was just recently in the United Kingdom, which is an area I think you've been to once or twice. And what, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What? What? <laughs> Go on, Jordan. I'm sorry. I was in Cornwall. Lovely place. We and were that's talking where about a lot of Tess is, is shot yes. and set. And, rugged hills. Yes. It's, and I was thinking. cliffs. It wasn't shot in the United States? Uh, <laughs> well, he tried to set that up, but then right. there was some minor legal issue <laughs> that prevented it. I can't remember what it was. Um, maybe, bad tax revenge? Maybe, Wait, was it a minor legal issue? Or is it a he could have done it in Nevada. Maybe Nevada. But, um, but anyhow, I, the point I'm trying to make is I was just thinking about the movie Tess a lot. And it is, is very good. But it's also super long. It's, it's well Yeah, I, it's hours. not my favorite movie. It's, it's not. It's not. Uh, but... Uh, it is. It was a big deal at the time. There's some other great movies that year, like The Stuntman. It's an incredible movie. Yeah, great, great Santini. Another, oh, yeah. you know, feelings another. movie. So wait, then can I guess best supporting actor? And then of actor? course, the fucking Empire Strikes Back is that year, which fucking is great. It's got it's Darth good. Vader yeah. in it. Oh, very good. Yoda. He's, he's such a good actor, <laughs> Darth Vader. Yeah, um, and he enjoys his social life <laughs> <laughs> quite a bit. It enjoys women on the younger side. Cloud City. Um. Uh. So so best supporting Cloud actor. City, yeah, that's right. Best supporting actor is Hutton. Hirsch, Robards, and then Michael O'Keefe. For the great Santini. Yes. And John Hurt. Nope. Oh, because Hurt's lead. You mean you mean in the Elephant Man? Yeah. Yes, yes, he's lead. Who's they the didn't f- nominate either of the great Elephant Man supporting I was going to say, that's Anthony what I was getting confused about. Feel good. Yeah. Right. No, they nominated Mr. Joe Pesci. For Raging Bull, oh, a fabulous performance. You know a what's great about that? About his performance in that? There's, a, you know, there's if you if you grew up I- I around these parts, you know, a lot of Italians, yeah. Italian Americans. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. true. And they say these uh, are mean streets. If you grew up on the <laughs> mean streets, as I did, the mean streets you, of Greenwich if Village. If you grew up in these Raging Bulls, <laughs> yes. Uh, one of my favorite Italian expressions is you call somebody a fucking Gavon. <laughs> And in and Gavon, I think this means like slob or pig, mm-hmm. uh-huh. you know. And uh, you know, I grew up in a neighborhood that was all all Jews and Italians. Mm. There was nothing else. We were prejudiced well, against. Didn't work. I was trying to find the exact spelling. Prejudiced against all not like, but mm-hmm. like. So I have a like you know a lot of Italians, a lot of Jews, mm-hmm. nothing else. Yeah, you know, we're very. So I feel like I'm a little bit Italian. It was a before. pizza bagel neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, pizza bagels all day long. Yeah, um, mm. and so I, I love that. Pizza bagel, I love right? the turn. You, you Gavon. Oh yeah. Like and so my 
mother's best friend was like my aunt, but mm-hmm. she wasn't really my aunt. And sometimes when I would come looking like a slob, she would say, yeah, my mother would say you look like a Gavon. You know, so I always have great love. I'm not of- insulting you. I'm telling you the hypothetical <laughs> insult my mother would give <laughs> you. Come on, John. Clean yourself up. You look yeah. like a Gavon, but I love you. Here, let me give you a cookie. She I'm, gave me cookies all the time. I'm going to start doing that kind of like, my dad would call you a fucking moron right now. <laughs> I have nothing against you. Right, my no, dad no, no. would say you're acting like a real fucking prick. Right. So, um, but you never hear Gavon in the movies. No. In Raging Bull, when Pesci is slamming um, uh, 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 Frank Vincent's head mm. against the car, uh, mm-hmm. car door. He calls him a fucking Gavon. There you go. You and know it, what you never hear in movies? Svachim. Yeah. That's an even worse Italian insult. The the, the actual translation of, you know, come here, you fucking Svachim. Svachim is the semen that stays under your foreskin oh, boy. after the act of fornication. Oh, boy. So you call somebody that, <clears throat> oh, it's no good. But the Italians, they, they, they're great, you know? You know what you never hear anyone say in a, a, Italian movies? What? What's that? Uh, go get your fucking shine box. <laughs> never one. hear it. I wish there was just like you never one movie it. with a good shine exactly. box scene. Never. Vin, Frank Vincent has never been told to, uh, to do that or told anyone to because do that. Because if no. you grew up in New York City, you hear that on every street corner. Someone telling someone else to go get cab. their shine box. Yeah. Hey, uh, go get your shine box. <laughs> Over here. When on your left. When was the last time you had uh, your, your shoes shined? Well, I wear stupid sneakers. I I, I don't I know. The, I don't shoes think shoes. I've ever done it. Yeah. Are you a big shoe shine well, man? Ben, have you? Have, when was the last time you had your shoes shined? And that's not a metaphor for some kind of sexual You're act. Actually, I mean, I like, do them myself. Every you shine season. your shoes? Yeah, I buy wax for my leather boots, and every nice. season I I put them in the oven, warm them up. No joke. Then uh, put on two coats. Yep. Ben's very into fashion. What about you, Dave? Never. I don't think I've ever done do you, it. Do you do it ever? No. Well, it's also it, it's it about sustainability. Like if you do that to your clothes, yeah. it will last longer. Sure. And so therefore you'll be able to keep those boots, shoes, yeah. whatever in your life longer. It does look like such a pleasant ritual. Mm-hmm. Like anytime I'm at an airport or a train station or any yeah. place where there's sort of like a Shushang guy off to the side with that like high leather chair. Yeah, yeah. You sit there like, like a king. Right. I'm like this like feels like it would have the same sort of like – pleasures of uh, a pedicure, you know? I was going to say a lap dance, but all right. Uh, More of a pedicure guy. (laughs) I love a pedicure. I got a pedicure for the first time recently, and Mm. my my toenails are so shiny. Ben, keep it in and go get your fucking shine box. (laughs) That's funny. Can you do that every time? Keep it in and go get your shine box? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. And let's put it on a t-shirt. Yeah, right. Uh, We're selling the mugs. Do you ever play backgammon? Because you double it in backgammon. Really? Yeah, that's like the power move. Double it. Do you have to keep it in and double it? Uh, Well, it's in. Could you push a chip and go like keep it in and double it? Uh, You could, but it wouldn't make any sense. I want to talk about Melvin and Howard, which is an American masterpiece. (laughs) Yeah. It's also nice, and I know this is just reality, Mm. but that they are constantly hovering around the outskirts of Vegas. Yes. Because it is this city that represents this, like, one good hand changes your life. Sure. You know, someone can go there and remake themselves in an afternoon. But, uh, you know, Melvin has a work ethic, but he also has a sort um, uh, of—it's not arrogance— but he no, has a it's, sort of it's a resolute belief. Right, a resolute okay. belief. Yeah, yes, I think yes. he just I think is right like, this will work. And it's like, 
when he buys the boat, he's like, when people see that I have a nice boat, right. that's going to that's gonna pay out for me. That's going to be great. Uh, right. He sticks to his guns. It's because the same he, thing why he wants to be Milkman of the Month. He's like, totally. I get a poster yeah. of my face. Yeah. Like that, yeah. that's, the, that's advertising you can't buy. Like he's just so into that concept of like, you know, it just takes one guy seeing your boat. And then he's like, well, this guy's, you know. But that he explains it to her. He's like, you don't understand. This it's is how investment. business works. Yes. I need to have a boat and a funny little hat. Um, but when he sort of like holds up Jack Hayhall in the office and he's like, you don't understand. Like, I owe you this money, but you can't hold that against me. I need to be milkman of the month. Right. I'll still owe you more. Right. need be. Right. But don't fucking take me off that post. That's why I love this movie is that it should be a story where it's like the guy keeps fucking, you know, getting in his own way. Right. And yeah. he keeps fixating on these things that make no sense. Yeah. And he's and his wife eventually is like, I can't with you anymore. And she leaves him, mm-hmm. takes the kids. Right. And yeah. it should be like rock bottom. And and then at the end of the movie, he gets a check for $150 million. Basically, he gets a will. Right. You know, right? Like the thing he thought would happen happens. Yeah. That's why the movie's so mad. And then a little bit of bad, like when yeah, he's in the spotlight, this... there's like some jerks come yeah, to the station. No, they, and, and there's the guy him. with the gun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. You don't know. Of course, reality <clears throat> is still there. Right. But I just love that that's. What Demi and Bo Goldman think, like this is what that's the guy would think his story is. But but also it's it's the sort of self awareness he has just in that final moment when the lawyers explain to him, like, look, I mean, today I, I think there are good like takeaways from it. I mean, mm-hmm. I think the judge is going to do this, but we can do this. We can keep on fighting it. I'm ready to do it. That's sort of like maddening, like a lawyer outlining what the next six years of your life are going to sure, look like. Sure. But he's like, ultimately, I think we have a pathway, and he just sort of stares off into the middle distance. And says, like, Melvin Dumar is never going to get $156 million. Right, but what's weird is that there is an opportunity in his face to make a little bit of a capitalization and um, Mm -hmm. make T-shirts, right? And there's, like, a T-shirt company that wants to do it, and he doesn't want to do it. They're talking about he's booked for interview requests. He can write a book. And for some reason he turns it down, which is not true in reality because clearly he sold his life story to – to Goldman and totally, Demi. Totally. But, but I think at the time that this movie was made, perhaps he was still fighting it in court. Right, right. They it, don't fully rule against him until a couple years later. Is that right? I think that's 84? right. 84? Uh, I, I mean, he, it was you know, He appeals it up. Right. You know, and and it, then he uh, writes a book. He sells, you know, yeah. the life rights. At this point, he had sold it, but I think he probably sold it based on the way they were going to frame the, the story. News, yeah. Who knows if yeah. he had sold it if it was the courtroom drama? Right. That anyone else would have made. Right. But that, of course, would be one way to do it, where you have a courtroom and you unfold every sort of piece of it. You know, like, yeah, like a classic. Imagine you know, if. Um, true story drama. Yes. Yeah. If there were still uh, milkmen. Oh. Well, because I grew up. She gets cheese. I grew up. It's a cheese man. In the United Kingdom. What? I already talked about this. Wait, wait, wait. Great Britain? Great Britain. The greatest of all Britons? I guess so. I guess that was the idea. Yeah, they um, united the kingdom. They did unite the kingdom in 1707, and wow. then further united it in the 1800s. Didn't uh, unite the seven last time I checked. <laughs> no, it's four. <laughs> Call me when you unite the seven. Okay, it's more of a four. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you like rope in like the Channel Islands yeah. or you know, you could probably get it up to seven. Okay. Get look. Bermuda in there, you know, the Falkland Islands. I don't, I don't think he got the joke. Uh, look, you got Great Britain. Okay, you got. Uh, Scotland, you got Wales, you got Ireland. But the but seven. Call me when you got Green Lantern. <laughs> Green Land or Green Lantern? Green Lantern. Ah, okay. You need him to unite the seven. Otherwise, you just got six. <laughs> to complete my point, we had a milkman. Mm. Uh, From there Sheffordshire. Was, 
No, that's not a Shropshire. Shropshire. Shropshire is a place. Um, no, there was a milkman. You could he he had a weird little electric van. It was filled with bottles of milk. You could also get orange juice. He had various other options. From what kind of cow do you get orange juice? <laughs> I don't. It's not like his job was like I only sell a thing that comes from a cow. Oh, he okay. sold bottled drinks oh, okay. at the All end right. of the day. All right, but no, it was farm milk, and you know, you would like he would like leave it at your doorstep. You wouldn't. He wouldn't even okay. knock, and you'd yeah. open your door, and there would be the milk, and then you would put the empties out, and like in the empties, you would put your order for your next order. Wow. you'd in a piece of paper. It's Amazing. coming back though. Well, it's a, it's the you know, service it's is coming back. Is it how? Um, in Trenton, Trenton, New a Jersey, company that's piloting basically um, glass containers that uh, <laughs> that are refillable that you can buy different products in, oh. and then they come and they'll refill. And they come take them. They come take them. Oh, it's, it's like, just like, like that. when I was a kid, we it's had the Uber seltzer milk. guy. Uber and, milk. It's Uber yeah, it's milk. Uber milk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, didn't you have a seltzer guy? Like we had a seltzer guy. I to my great. Uh, I did not. My father had a seltzer. I was guy. jealous of the the yeah. households that had the you seltzer. Know, the, the we never big, had the big box. I know. You know, it. with I the twelve it. bottles, it was fantastic. Why do you think I went over to Eddie Bleck's house every day after school? Because he had <laughs> the seltzer. seltzer. Eddie, Eddie. <laughs> can I um, can I read this final line? Because I found it. Which which final? Line? The final line, not the final line, but the final line of the scene with Melvin and the lawyer. Sure, of course. So the lawyers explain to him, like, look, we're winning, but this and this and that and that. And I want you to just be aware. The family is going to fight this for years. They're going to siphon off money through the lawyers. So they don't have anything to give you. All this sort of stuff. And Melvin just cuts him off and says, I knew all that the day I found the will. And Roger says, you're kidding. And Melvin says, Melvin Dumar is never going to see $156 million. In fact, he's never going to see a dime. But Howard Hughes sang Melvin Dumar's song. Howard Hughes sang Santa's souped up sleigh. And the poeticism of that for me is he shifts into third person right. because he is saying, I understand what this story was. I now understand what movie I've been in. Oh. It's about the vision of Melvin Dumar could make $156 million at any moment. That that's the promise of the American dream. But I understand now in reality that never happens. There will always be some bottleneck. Even if you open the right door, right. something's going to fuck you over because the the powers that be are going to try to hold on to the wealth they have, right? They won't let you just get a winning ticket like that. But then he shifts to what this story was really about was I had my victory at the beginning of this movie and I didn't even know it. Right. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. The poeticism of – I didn't realize that that was the sort of accomplishment I have always been waiting for, that I was validated by this man eventually having his heart melt enough to sing to, my to, stupid to song. Me right yeah. Right. Should that have been the last scene in the movie or were they right to do the bookend? I think it's the Titanic rule. It's like you want to go back to the ship one you more wanna time. You want to see him. You want to see him you one more time. Yeah. And it's such a sweet scene and the performance is so good. It is. And, and it's also morning. Yeah. It's like you've been through the whole night yeah, the whole of journey. the story. Right. And now right. Yeah. right. And you have you have a final uh, Steenburgen scene where right. they kiss yes, after yes. that. Even though he's married to right. Reed. Yeah. But you want that sort of curtain call. Her scene on the uh, on the phone, too, when she calls him after mm-hmm. the story is so heartbreaking mm-hmm. where you can see her sort of going like, should I have stayed with this guy? <laughs> right. But also realizing if I had stayed with him, it would have been for the wrong reasons. Yeah, and also I couldn't like, have predicted it's this. It's the same old. St- it's going right. to be the same old. Story. Yeah, of course. But but more importantly, she's really proud of him. Why? Right. I mean, he didn't do anything. Yeah. But she's really proud of him. She's like, oh, I'm so proud of you. You were on TV. But it's you know? almost like she's proud of him for willing this into existence, yeah. for being correct. Right. You know, not for doing anything. Uh, for you living know. a righteous life. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, for, for giving the guy the the quarter or whatever. Yeah. Um, but but you need kind of like Steenburgen's been a little out of the movie because he's on to a second marriage, and you want Steenburgen to have a curtain call. Yeah. And you want Melvin to have a curtain, uh, uh, Howard to have a curtain call. And even if it's like dramatically, the movie is kind of over when Melvin gets to that realization, you do want to sort of like close the ellipses on the two other things this movie's been right. about. Sure. And it's also nice that it's like that final moment they show of him letting, uh, you know, Howard drive the car is, you know, you realize probably the closest pure moment of bonding they had on that entire trip and we weren't shown it the first time right right yeah we weren't shown the one moment where they seem totally simpatico without any resistance right. it's a beautiful fucking movie it's a great movie it's was a, it was yeah. it a box office hit i know it was a create a critical hit and, no, and it was not, not really. a box office yeah. it made four million dollars at the box office uh if i adjust that up it's uh let's find out I mean, was it a profitable film? Did it cost? I don't think it cost much money. I, I can't. I don't think anyone was hurt by this movie. It was yeah. one Oscar. It was right. a single. If you win Oscars, a studio yeah. is happy. It's a Universal movie, I yeah. believe. Uh, like, I think it's the kind of like you have fully proven yourself as a talent. Now everyone sees your value. Well, You're going to make a hit film. Well, what did he do next? Swing shift. Is so it. that's what's fascinating. Is it's like the guys. The guys got some juice right after like you know making uh, five movies in five years. Basically, right, yeah. right. And then this is the six, and he hits. You know, he gets on base. He gets people Oscars. Um, then he spends four years fighting with two movie stars over a movie, which I, I feel like he talks about as, like, the one that he lost. Right. Like, the one where he fully lost the battle and, uh, you know, didn't get to make the movie he wanted to make, right. was overpowered. Well, you're, you're doing – that's a whole other right. podcast. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, but you, wanna, have, yeah. you have a four-year gap, and then it's Stop Making Sense and Swing Shift in the same year – and then he's just back. Then yeah. it's every year another movie, another comedy, and most of them are hits, and most of them get Oscar nominations, if not wins. Yeah, leading up true. to Sons of the Lambs, like it's then it's a crazy run. Yeah, yeah. Post Swing Shift, just you know something wild. Somebody Cambodia, Married to the Mob, and then a few years off to make Silence of the Lambs. It's a big movie. Yeah, big. Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, big one. Big. You got a reverse blank check. Um, I can't yeah. find a box office for this weekend. Box office just starts in '82. So can, this will be the okay, last. Okay, fuck. Can you find the box office, the top films in 1980? Of course. So is that what you got? Yeah. Oh, boy. He treats me so well, Jordan. The number one box office motion picture of 1980 is going to be Empire Strikes Correct. Back. $209 million. But the question is what's second? But what was second? Oh, uh, okay. Because this is always fun. Is like, what movie was number two it's behind? It's just one of those things when you're looking at the top right. ten, you're like, yeah, wow. Because it's like Star Wars is only – is number two uh, as Smoking the Bandit and uh, Return of the Jedi number two is Terms of Endearment. Sure. I love that, the big yeah. gulf number well, this, two. Okay, so some uh, the second highest grosser of give, 1980, give a, give a it, it made half of what uh, Empire Strikes Back made. But it's $103 million. Wow. It's a comedy, a workplace comedy. Oh. Nine to five? Hey, very good. Like that's yeah. that's funny to just think like, oh, the number two movie of the year behind Star Wars is nine to, nine five. to five. That's the only it's other movie that cracks a hundred million dollars. No, one other film. Cracked. What? One other film. Uh, this film, I didn't say the name. Uh, made one hundred and one million dollars. Wow. A comedy. Wow, so uh, close. Big duo. Is it Stir Crazy? Ah, Stir Crazy. I knew it was a prior Wilder, and Stir everyone forgets crazy. that Stir Crazy was the biggest hit. That was their biggest box office success. Right. I, I mean, 
Yeah, I, re- I mean, I actually think my parents took me to see Stir Crazy. Sure. I was probably three. Stir Crazy. It's, uh, December you know. 1980. Yeah. yeah. Stir Crazy is fine. It's not that good. No, it's fascinating that I love Gene Wilder. He's one of my favorite actors yeah. ever. I think he and Pryor were really good together. None of those movies hold up. None of those movies hold up. The, the energy is fine, and also Pryor's in like two scenes of it. Uh, number four mm-hmm. is a comedy that we mentioned. Great movie. Today. $83 million. Did it come up in the Oscar context? No. It came up in different context. As a Airplane. movie we liked. Right. I always do, forget Airplane is 80 do, and not 79. 80. Do, 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 uh, great movie. Do, do, do. Even though, like, that's one of those movies where even though half the jokes probably don't hold up, it doesn't matter because there are eight jokes a second. It's yeah. right. What's your favorite gag in Airplane? It, Boy, that's tough. I mean, like, what's that, the first it, one that comes to mind? The one that I always used to champion that is so minor and basically cannot, it's, you know, very, very dated, is when they're doing the montage around the world of like other news <laughs> yes. uh, people. Yeah. Doing, and there's the, the guy, like, the African guy is like drumming on it, and, and then he turns yeah. around the camera and keeps drumming. It's such a tiny little joke yeah. that you just sort of like always forget about. Like, I always love those kind of airplane jokes, the ones yeah. you're like, oh, right. The, the joke know. density in that movie is yeah. just uh, unparalleled. It I don't is. think there's another movie with that level of I joke mean, density. My favorite, alone my favorite joke in airplane is the drinking problem that I was always say, gets that's me problem. that's the greatest recurring that's, that's joke my that's my every problem. time that's he throws favorite. the drink in his face yeah. I laugh yeah. Yeah. it's never not funny. no jokes per capita no I've, I've thought about this before then what's your favorite airplane joke Ben's texting uh, my favorite airplane joke uh, I don't know. I haven't seen in a while. I like the drinking problem one. It's very funny. <laughs> wow. Uh, I'm also. I'm no, a- there's like some scene where there's the actor who's playing sort of like um, the um, homosexual character, and I just He's love incredible, all guy. his he energy. Really young. Man. All his yeah. moments right. of just like that chaotic so energy funny. stuff. Like the Leon's way getting larger. Oh, the no, way not, he not plays it throughout. Right. So, no, Every time so they funny. go back to him, he's always like, it's yeah. just like, it's that like rhythm to yeah. the music yeah. of the jokes so and it's just like funny. very yeah. fast and, that, and over and, the top. And his character's never introduced. Like, no. Who, no. why is he right. here? Right. Who, who invited him? Why, what is he doing? His behavior is also kind yeah. of just accepted. I love no it. No one objects to it. You know, the other thing that pushes the drinking problem over the edge for me, I am such a sucker for repetition. I find repetition so funny and the fact that they just do it so many fucking times. <laughs> it's one of the reasons why Airplane is so good is there's so many good Relentless. bits that yeah. are like they hit it three times or they hit it 12 times. You know, the the knocking out the Hare Krishna at yeah. the airport. And surely like, you can't be serious. I mean, all right. these dumb jokes that this bring back. A hospital, what is it? It's a big building of patients, but that's not important right, right. now. The, the phone <laughs> bit of like... Uh, all of those uh, jokes are so uh, Hold the mayo when he's talking right. about uh, all that stuff. I mean, Nielsen is... It's just outrageous. Every single thing Leslie Nielsen does in that movie should, well, yes. deserves a Nobel I mean, Prize. Uh, we all know that Leslie Nielsen should have won Best Actor at the Academy Awards for The Naked Gun from The Files of Police Squad. <laughs> he is which is maybe the best comedic performance in the history of cinema. Yeah. Now, but when you want to talk about joke density in yeah. films, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah. Joke density. Some of them are esoteric and strange. Uh, the Holy Grail is just the same kind of thing. And just, life everything's of, a joke. Life of Brian is, is, I think, a better Life, movie, but yeah, it doesn't have the same joke yeah, density. Yeah, I've never been fond of it for that very reason. I'm um, like, oh, is it telling a story of, over here? Of all the Woody Allen love and death, not his most famous, no, but, but the most joke, joke density. Really? So those early yeah. ones, yeah. Just constant. That and Sleeper are the ones where See, every it, line is Take the Money and Run is the one I think about of just being like wall-to-wall jokes. Love and death is just compacted. Take the Money and Run. They're all yeah. great. But <laughs> if you were to take the first half of the movie uh-huh. of what I'm about to say, joke density 
Raising Arizona. Right. God. Wow. The first I mean, 30 minutes of Raising Arizona thing has, has just so much it's fun. It's crammed too. in there I mean, and their visual jokes. And can just, I make my controversial argument like yours, but even further out there? Oh my God, I'm sitting down. First, we've all been sitting down the entire time. First 30 minutes of Ishtar <laughs> are as successfully joke dense as any movie ever made. Okay, yeah. but number five uh-huh. at the box office is Ishtar. Oh, right, right. No. In I know, I know it's not okay, Ishtar. so Stir Crazy, Nine, Airplane. It made 70 million dollars. Big gross. It's a sequel to, a, I think, a somewhat surprising success. Hmm. Stars oh, a I know big the movie star. I know the answer. The Road Warrior. Incorrect. Oh, shit. I don't know the answer. I mean, not a bad guess. But yeah. Okay, somewhat right. surprising. This is actually the year of Mad Max one, but it but is it that type of sort of no. sequel explodes success or was the no. first one first the one was the bigger one? Okay, somewhat. But this one still did well. Somewhat. This surprising. is the kind of movie that if you took a twenty two year old, mm-hmm. sat them down and said this movie existed, they would stare you in the face and say like there is absolutely no way that what you're talking about is true. Cannonball Run two. Like think that, but stupid. Is it a Bert? Huh? Is it a Bert? No, not Bert. Is it that kind of movie star, though? You said it's a big star. He was a big star. I would argue a bigger star. But he Probably was a- one of the 10 most famous Hollywood stars of his- in history. Jesus. Really? Right? Yes. I think um, inarguable. It's not the Bad News Bears sequel, no. but is it something like that? Stupider. Stupider. Just keep digging down. All right, all right, all right. Hold on, because I can get stupid. But the but the main star returns for the sequel. He does. The sequel has a major drop off from the first one. Uh, the first one made like a hundred, and this one made yeah. seventy. He I was think everyone's a, happy. He was a big star already, but the movie was still a surprise. He was a he had been a big star for twenty years. Yeah, he'll be a big star for thirty more. Is he still 40 alive? More. He is. Wow. He's old, man. It's not a bond. He's an old man. There was no bond in eighty. No, 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 no. no. Far stupider. Yeah, um, it's not French Connection two. No. Although that's, that's a comedy. And you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. Like, Smokey and the Bandit 2 is number eight. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a couple Cheech and Chong's next movie is number I was going to say maybe, two, but it yeah. didn't really feel. No. Can you give me a genre? Is it a comedy? Yeah. Yeah. Like an action comedy. It's an action comedy. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Stupid okay. action comedy. It's a stupid action. Humongous right. star. I got to go. <laughs> See you soon. Okay. Okay. Ben has tapped out. Producer Rachel walking in. Sure. Cup of coffee. Perfect handoff. Um, uh, Rachel, just uh, quickly, what's the fifth highest person <laughs> film of 1980? Because no, we're my struggling now over she knows. here. Okay, okay, never mind. Look, Rachel, I'm trying to get them to guess this movie. <laughs> Do you know this movie, Rachel? No. Okay, okay. Have so you, that's a clue. Now, to be fair, have you heard of this the the movie that is the original? No. Now okay. we know it's not just called okay. Blood. Okay. So it has but a now, different title. Rachel, when so you look at this poster, been, yes. right? Do you think, holy shit, I can't believe this is a movie starring this person and this thing? Rachel's Look laughing. At that reaction. Look at that reaction. So it's just and covered Rachel her mouth. Her face turned red. So it's, Rachel's deadpan, and she's busting it's, up it's, right it's, now. And you say that this actor had been around for twenty years. So he'd been around yeah. since the sixties, seventies, fifties, late fifties, I think. I don't know. So he's he's like middle aged at this point. I mean, he's not sure. A young yeah. whippersnapper. It is funny that he made a movie on this subject, and then <laughs> it was a surprise success. I put his age around fifty. He's like fifty. Point. Yeah. The story of the original one apparently is like it's a script that had been sort of passed around town and this uh-huh. actor saw it and was just like, I think it's funny. Let's do it. What could it be? And wow. it was a big hit. And then they made a sequel. That was the fifth highest grossing film of 1980. Is Blake Edwards Over in like, some way? I don't think so. Over films like Paul, uh, Private Benjamin, yeah. Coal Miner's Daughter, Blue Lagoon, Blues Brothers, Ordinary People, Popeye, Big Movie, you know, what, Urban Cowboy, The Shining. And it's a 19- Friday the 13th. Was this the last film? 
In this series, I yeah. believe so. What I don't was, think they made what a third. Was, all right, last question, last clue. What, what year did the first one come out? 78. So just recently. Is it They're a, striking LA while the iron Gould, is hot. Is it a, is it a, oh boy. I'm thinking about how hard Sinatra Rachel thing? laughed. Can you believe this person was in a movie about and this so somebody subject? That, it's someone that everybody knows. Everybody knows. Iconic. Rachel, okay. To be off. clear, I was laughing at the poster. Of course, but I'm trying to think of yeah, a poster wild. that has strong, those strong. elements. I cannot tell what the movie is about from oh, the poster. I think I know exactly what okay. it is. Here we go. Is it Oh God Part 2? Oh, no. damn Incorrect. Oh, that incorrect. felt close, right? Yeah, yeah that would have been good. No. Oh, because but you said the guy's still alive. Yeah. Uh, what's the initials of the star? C.E. Charlie. It's Clint Eastwood. Oh, oh and it's of course, the, the it is any movie. which way. Any which way but loose. You can. It's any which way you can. Any which way yeah. you can. The sequel to Every Bitch Which Way, which way but, but Loose. Oh, you're right. You're right. The movie where Clint Eastwood pals around with an orangutan yeah. and solves crimes. Right. You're right. I'm, I feel like an asshole right A now. movie that I feel like the world's dumbest person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean. One of those things. Apparently, he saw the script for the first one. He was yeah. like, it's funny. We'll do it. Yeah. And I guarantee you that was treated like Ted. Like, what the fuck are you <laughs> yeah. doing? And You're you Clint Eastwood. I'm going right. to eat a cookie now. I'm so depressed. Yeah. I'm one of, I mean, maybe more. maybe up until that point, his highest grossing film. I probably It's I, probably right up there for I, 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 The first one's better than the second. And, and I, I believe the you. first one's pretty damn good. I, I always, well, I always loved, like, when I was, like, a kid and was trying to, like, understand film history and they would do montages or Clint Eastwood would get some Lifetime Achievement Award at the Golden Globes or whatever and they would play the clip. I'd be like, oh, that's, like, the disaster that he's embarrassed of, right? <laughs> and my parents would be like, no, it was, like, a huge hit and he defends it still. Wow. Like, and he Clint made a sequel would, to it. He loves it. He's like, oh, that orangutan was hilarious. <laughs> I was uh, not allowed to watch that movie because my mother said it was too violent. It's also like very sexual. Isn't there a ton of nudity in that movie? I, I feel know, like. there was the time. There was. A, I think you're thinking of the Gauntlet. I yeah. think. But well, um, the orangutan never wears pants, right? Zing a ding ding. Um, no, but there is a lot of fighting, bare knuckle brawls, right? Because right, it's in Fresno. They're in downtown Fresno. A weird thing. Bakersfield or something. Yeah, maybe like I should that. reboot that franchise. Yeah, is it time? Do. What's his character name in that movie? I don't fucking know. Uh, Clyde. Oh, that's wait, the orangutan. The orangutan is Clyde. What's Eastwood's name in that film? Let me look it up. I want to be the Mutt Williams Nelson of Philo Beto. Oh, oh boy. I don't know. Oh, yes. Ruth Gordon plays a character called Zenobia in this yeah, movie. I mean, yes, of course she does. I even remember him, like, in the 90s doing interviews, and they'd be like, any chance you ever, like, round out the trilogy? <laughs> He should. Uh, Clyde he should. might be too old, but I'd love to finish the story. He should story. do it. He should make The Mule should not be his last film. It oh, should be. It's definitely not Richard awesome. Jewell. He's already in production already on a movie that will be finished in uh, five minutes. <laughs> you telling me Clyde over Sully? Sully. Well, he's not in Sully. I'm yeah. saying he's an actor. It's a fourth wire. Oh, no, he's in Sully. Uh, oh, he's always he's guiding every phrase. <laughs> His thumbprint. Masterpiece. Masterpiece. I love Sully. Oh, uh, yeah, please. This is a Sully safe zone. No, I love Sully. You kidding me? Uh, you know what? I, I, I have not ridden on an airplane since Sully came away. I have not thought about every uh, moment of that movie. I, uh, you know, I've said a lot of things on this podcast that I regret. <laughs> I've grown five years of my development as a man and that my mind and all these things. Yeah. Cultures changed around us, you know. Yeah. I believe in total transparency, but there are things I would scrub from history yeah. if I could. Yeah, that remember earlier said. when I used the C word uh -huh, really uh -huh. loud? Uh -huh. I'm really hoping a bunch of times. Could you hear that out in the offices, Rachel? What, you guys yelling? Good. Yeah. No, okay, good. They didn't hear it. So, great. yeah, you, things you'd like to scrub from your history. The number one greatest embarrassment 
embarrassment in the history of this podcast for me is that Sully was not in my top ten that year. Wow. Very embarrassing. Because I gave Sharing. Tom you Hanks the win for best actor, and I left Sully at like 11 or 12. And that was shame. And I admitted it was a masterpiece. I said, Sully's Sully, five letters that spell America. Right. But I still said, it's not worthy of making the ten. And I'm and sure— what, what, do you, what, else, what was in that look, year that you I'm sure I, my top five was solid. But at the very least, Sully should have been somewhere between 5 and 10. It is yeah. my number 10. And I guarantee you there are some fucking Tony respectable yeah. movies that I genuinely like less than Sully, but I put in there because of the groundswell. Yeah. Or like some Michael Haneke movie. Yeah. Yeah. I guarantee you there's something like that. Whereas Sully should have been all 10 spots on my list that year. <laughs> it is the movie I watched so much. I've seen it five or six times. I've watched it so many times. It's so good. Will, it's a forced water. I, it is a forced water. My um, my in-laws, who are marvelous people but are in their late 70s, mm-hmm. early 80s, uh, they come and look after our cat, yeah. my wife and I, when we go to places like the United Kingdom. And every time we come back, I see that my DVD of Sully has moved. Oh. <laughs> DVD and not 4K? Well, I have it in 4K. I, I think it's actually a, it's a deep. It's not even a yeah. Blu-ray. Wow, because a, a beautiful 4K. Well, it's transfer. a it's a it's a screener. It's, it's a demo I, disc. When it's you a work dem- in the in the industry, hey, you please, get the I got a Sully screener and yeah. I and I upgraded <laughs> because I needed full resolution. Correct. I needed Sully with extended color spectrum. My Correct. my my father-in-law. Uh, one time I asked him because I noticed that like this yeah. is like on Sully Move Three, uh-huh. and he's like, "Oh, you watch Sully?" He's like, "Yeah, they really handed it to that Sully, didn't they?" <laughs> They really, movie. they really it's gave so him a hard time. Good. Yeah. They, they really gave him a hard time. They really put him through the ringer. They put him through the ringer. They ring. put him through the ringer. That Sully, but, but he, uh, but he pulled through. He pulled through. It's a miracle. It's a miracle on the Hudson. <laughs> that movie. All right. Can we get serious now? Yes. Uh, well, we love Melvin and Howard. We love Melvin. And Howard. When it's you guys announced Demi. Um, X amount of time, you know, a long time ago. Even when I think it was still in the voting for March Madness, yeah, I you said put if your you, hand I said if Demi wins, and it was yeah. Demi versus who? Uh, well, it was against 31 other directors, but it boiled right, down to yeah. eventually him and George, George Miller. Miller. And I had no interest in George Miller. Oh. I mean, he's fine. Road Warrior, whatever. The, the great humongous, whatever his name is. But um, Thunderdome. Yeah. What's the great humongous? Like the, the studio is the Thunderdome. Lord the Lord Humongous. humongous. Yeah. Um, I I would have toast the no. I would have gladly accepted an invitation, but I wasn't going to demand sure. to come. No, on I the understand show. you were a perfect fit for Melvin and Howard, and yeah. we had a great time talking. About I it. And love, we printed out a Wikipedia page for you. And I you're love take this. It up. I'm a little upset. I mean, I love meeting um, producer Rachel. Producer Rachel. Yeah. I'm sad that Ben had to go. Sure. A very nice guy. You know, he made me a cup of coffee. He's a great what guy. A, what a man. He's a man. Thank right. you all for listening. Yeah. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Thank you to Andrew Gouda for our social media. Thank you to Lane Montgomery for our theme song, Joe Bone and Pat Reynolds for our artwork. Thank you to producer Rachel for jumping in at the last minute because Ben's got to take care of Ben. Um, go to tpublic.com for some real nerdy shirts. Go to blankies.red.com for some real nerdy shit. Go to our Patreon for Blank Check special features. Where what? I mean, we must be coming up on uh, the end game now. We might be at Captain Marvel by the time this comes out, perchance. Oh, uh, geez. Let me do my math here. Uh, this, our next episode will be Spider-Man Far From Home. We're p- way, oh, way we'll past. be done. Yeah. yeah. We're about the to last one. end it. Mm-hmm. Our end game yeah. Yeah. of talking about these movies. Yeah. Um, tune in next week for our very uh, illegal, illicit contraband episode on uh, Swing Shift. And as always... Our guest today is Jordan Hoffman. I did not introduce him at any point in the podcast. God damn it. Is that true? Yes. It's true. We could record. We could. Well, this is it. No, this is it. Any credits you want to mention? (laughs) 
I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of class. You know, it's kind of like slide it's in. True. I think so, sure. too. Save I the agree. best for last. And you don't have, right, you don't have something you urgently need to plug right now. You don't have the Pl- Stark Jack podcast anymore. Right? I'm, plugging, I'm, I'm, I'm not here to plug. I'm yeah, here to be exactly. amongst my peers and, and my loved ones. Well, you know, sometimes people match. are on the podcast and they, they got to get their thing out. They got a book or they got a thing. My thing needs to go back in. It does yeah. not need to go out. Yeah, so right. Yeah, Lulu Wong muscling her way in. <laughs> Weaponizing our podcast to promote her movie. No, I need. I am not, definitely not us begging like to, her to be on our podcast I, for forty-five minutes. I would like to say this. Okay. I worked a little blue. Well, yeah, on this episode, yeah, I it's feel fine. Bad. I this feel episode, bad. No, you should not feel bad. No, I don't. I don't like uh, swearing. Hey, this this podcast is so blue. Sometimes people mistake us for Kate Hudson in Pride Wars. Oh. Um, okay, I got the quote. Uh, David, Yeah, you got two lines. Oh, great. They're short. Mm. First one is, depends on what it is. And the second one is, no. This does have a wild tagline if you wanted to do the really old-fashioned. Oh, boy. You want to, but you want me to be Robards? Yes. Okay. Um, be my Robards. I'm not seeing the tagline. What's, what's the tagline mm, you got? Yeah, this poster doesn't have it. Right, I got this poster here with the, just them at the chapel. Which is, a, I, I think... It's I, not a, the a good poster. A, I, it, it's still an arresting poster. Yeah. I can't deny, like, I kind of want to know what's going on The here. DVD cover's terrible. Yeah. Where it's like... Yeah. Well, I mean, I get it. Yeah. That's, no, but it looks it looks yeah. like that movie with Gerard like Depardieu list. and Catherine Heigl. Yeah, yeah, it looks like The Bucket List. It looks like some weird old grandpa movie, you know? Oh, this, I see this. Poor right. Melvin. Well, all he wants to is be Milkman of the Month and say he lost his job, his truck, and his wife. Then Howard Hughes left him $156 million. No, left him a podcast. Yeah, okay. Th- I'm, I'm going to do all the right, thing depends I on do. what it is and no. Okay, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, ready? Yep. Okay. Okay, ready? Now, listen, buddy, you want to do me a favor? Uh, depends on what it is. I host this podcast. No. Well, you blew your cue there. Well, you were laughing we... too hard. All right. The whole point is that he's so. All right. Whatever. He cuts him know. off. You're, you're, this is your thing. I, I wasn't prepared for this. Take two. Fine.